These women are not innocent. So as we saw today, come out. Phone records of them plotting together how to best extract resources. Why is the CCTV footage not included? Why are there all these leaks coming out? Why are they being held such an extended period of time without charges? Romanian law is Romanian law. If you have evidence, why would you not charge somebody? Everyone who looks at the case file is amazed that they're even detained in the first place. That's from the professionals. The Tate brothers will get out unless there's some amazing new find, which there won't be. There will be a trial, hopefully sooner rather than later. They will win. That is, inshallah, that is the end state. I've been around this man for hundreds of days. I'm a professional who's been trained in reading people. I think I would know if he was some oddly exploitative criminal. He's lived in my house. I'm in his house. I'm on the boats. I'm on the jets. I've never once seen him act in a way that matches any of these allegations. Imagine if every person on this planet felt accountable to a higher force. We wouldn't have crime. Tell me that doesn't result in a much better society. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to the realest podcast in the Donya, the four Muslims. Assalamu <laughs> alaikum, Shura. How you doing? Good, brother. Good to have you here. Alhamdulillah. All right. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Rahim. So, we are joined today with the man himself, the sartorial shooter. It's a pleasure to be with you here in Dubai. Alhamdulillah. We're, Alhamdulillah. He was gracious enough to invite us to his home to record this. Alhamdulillah. And uh, in the beautiful city as well. Alhamdulillah. So, first and foremost, who is sartorial shooter? All right, cool. So my name is Jewel, originally from Australia, but I definitely think I'm more than half Arab by now. 15, 15 <laughs> years in the Middle East. I started my career in the military. I was a soldier. From that, I learned a few uh, relevant languages to this part of the world. So I speak Farsi and Arabic, wow. although my Arabic isn't as, as good as it should be. Yeah. Like an Arabi mishmafid. But I need to practice more and I will, inshallah. Inshallah. Um, having recently reverted to Islam, I'm angry at myself for my Arabic having, having gotten so weak. Wow. So I remember just, just in that uh, masjid across the road from my house, alhamdulillah, um, two days ago, uh, last Jummah, uh, the local sheikh was, was speaking with real intent and I could tell what he was saying was important, but I couldn't understand it. I got very angry with myself. So... Inshallah, give me six months, the Arabic will be up and running inshallah. again. Inshallah, inshallah. 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 That's amazing. Yeah, thank so you. we do want to know a little bit more about your past, but before we get into that, a lot of people know you through relation from Andrew Tate. They mm -hmm. know your mutuals with him, and a lot of them think like you're you know, his manager or whatever. So what is your relationship with Andrew, and how do you meet him? Okay, so anyone who knows Andrew Tate knows that you don't manage Andrew Tate. <laughs> so I'm not his manager. <laughs> he doesn't have a manager. He manages himself. So I've been close friends with Andrew and Tristan uh, for, I'd say, four, maybe five years. Wow. Uh, and I, I think it's... It's fair to say outside of their, their family, I, I'm the one who's had the privilege and I do view it as, as very much a privilege of spending the most time with them face to face. So back before Andrew was too big to live in a house like this with fans coming and knocking on the door, yeah. uh, he used to live here when he was in Dubai and I, I've spent time with, with his, uh, his setup in Romania as well and we've travelled together extensively uh, all around the world, uh, myself and, and the Tates. All right. Uh, so all yeah, right. I, I, know, I know them very well. Alhamdulillah. So was there any kind of transition when he, he, he did blow up? I mean, it's been a gradual thing, um, but Andrew Tate is, is definitely a very different man now than when I first met him. Back when I met him in, in 20, I think it was 2018, um, the main focus was getting money, getting status, be, being a G, so to speak. Yeah. As he became more prominent and, and more influential, he became a lot more aware of what he was saying and the fact that his, his, he wasn't speaking to you know, a couple of thousand guys on the internet. It became a, a global phenomenon. Yeah. So he definitely matured as, as a result. He became a lot more conscious of what he was saying and the potential uh, impact of what he was saying. Yeah. Uh, and you'll see, if you look at his final, the final message on Rumble, that's the current Andrew Tate. Mm -hmm. Very mature, very logical, 
very rational, very aware of his impact. Yeah. The issue that we have today is everyone's referencing things years ago saying, oh, what a bad man he is. Yeah. That was when he had 10,000 followers. Yeah. <laughs> now that he has millions, the attention of the world, he's a lot more aware of the duty that he has to put forward a very positive message. And that's yeah. one, one of his key focuses now. Yeah, absolutely. And how has being a Muslim you know, shifted that for him? Well, there's no drinking for one, which I'm all for. Alhamdulillah. Like, I really mean that. Uh, yeah. Our man Tristan likes a drink. <laughs> and we're all very competitive as men. So, I mean, as you've seen from some of the footage, there was a lot of drinking. Andrew stopped drinking completely. No, not, not, a, no completely. not a single drink. Not a single drink, man. And I know I'm with him on the jets. I'm with him. You know, we travel together. Yeah. Not, not a single drink, which I think is great. Now. But also, anything he does, he wants to do it properly. You know, that, that mindset of professionalism yeah. uh, and of commitment. So, yeah. that, I'd say that's the first big change. Um, secondly, he is a genuine, I, I think a bit of an inner peace thing coming through, which I haven't seen before. He's a very driven man. There's a lot of, you know, focus to, to conquer and to, and we can talk about that uh, more. I think his, his reversion to Islam has brought more of an inner peace that, than I've seen in him before, yeah. which I think is, is quite a beautiful thing. Wow. Wow. Absolutely. And I think, I think we can all say that we've seen it in his recent videos as well. You know, even the way he talks to people like Aiden Ross, you know, motivating them, even from an Islamic perspective, you know, kind of giving da'wah to them in a way. It's a beautiful thing to see. Mm -hmm. But on the, topic, on the topic of Andrew Tate, how was he doing in mm -hmm. the case? If you don't mind speaking about that. Mm -hmm. No, 100%. Like? Very happy to. Um, so the thing with, with Andrew, a lot of people don't understand, is he's lived a very challenging life. Yeah. And I think it's great that people are concerned for his welfare, but he's rock solid. He and his brother are two of the most mentally disciplined people I've come across. They're very strong-minded. Yeah. This is just another in, in a lifetime of obstacles. Again, these guys were so hungry at one point, they were going to KFC to take out the left-in-the-box in the chicken, freeze it at home, and then unfreeze that over the weeks to come wow. to, to, to sustain themselves while they were fighting. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you're going into the ring when you can't even feed yourself properly. Oh, that's that's where these guys came from. So to put it in perspective, Yes, this is unjust. Yes, this is wrong on many levels. But as brothers, in terms of their mindset, they're, they're rock solid. They also know what they have and haven't done. They know that these charges are nonsense. They know that it, that will come out. And so, they're, they're, to be honest, they're in good good spirits. Yeah. They're fine. Absolutely. Do you think Do you think Andrew Tate being a Muslim is helping him with his confidence now? Definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I know that one of the, the few books he has access to is the Quran. And knowing him, he'll be devouring that. that that's... He needs something. He doesn't have a phone. <laughs> he doesn't have, you know, his usual work. I, I, I'm willing to bet that he's spending a lot of time reading. And I, one of the things I, I give du'a for that I pray for every, every day in the mosque, I'm trying to get to the masjid every day, is that this experience brings him closer to a faith that, that is, is lasting and is, is real. And I believe that's happening. Alhamdulillah. May Allah grant him that. Allahumma ameen. Allahumma ameen. So if you don't mind talking about some of the details around the case, I've heard a lot that there's a lack of evidence. Even his lawyer went on record saying there's no evidence at all. Mm -hmm. uh, Tristan Tate came out you know, saying to the reporters, ask for the evidence, ask the judge, you know, why they're doing this and that, where's the evidence? Mm -hmm. And you know, all these people pull out these statements, random statements here and there from videos throughout his past. And my question is, you know, if these statements are so grand and so obvious that he did whatever they're claiming he did, mm -hmm. either why have they not been admitted as, into the evidence or why do people keep saying there's no evidence at all? Mm -hmm. um, so first of all, I'm not, I'm not officially, uh, you know, authorized to represent him. Um, yeah. I'm his friend. I'm, I'm not his, his manager, as some people would say. Yeah. Um, also, I, I can't speak on behalf of the lawyers, but as, as his friend who's watching what's happening and having been in Tate's house and spent time there, yeah. the way I would answer that was, would be to apply basic logic. 
So there's CCTV in and outside of his house. Yeah. I've seen the system. I'm a security professional. I looked at, you know, we did a bit of a review. It's a pretty good system. Why isn't that being used in court? That's one. Yeah. Two, this is a famous and wealthy man with a lot of influence. Is it really that rare or that unique to have false allegations against famous men with wealth, with influence? Third, if we look at, and again, I don't want to say anything that I shouldn't legally, but if we look at the source of these complaints, as I understand it, they're not from the most... It, it, initially, for example, there was this narrative that, oh, these are innocent women who have been taken from the village and they've been exploited. If you look into these details, these women are far from poor village girls. They're mm. women who were working as, you know, in, in that industry, oh, wow. which I think is, is haram and I don't have anything to do with it, yeah. but they were working in like strippers or OnlyFans, these sorts of things yeah. prior. Um, they, they have been known to be, and it's very difficult to talk about, these women are not innocent. Yeah. <laughs> and they also, as we saw today, come out. There's mm. phone records of them plotting together yeah. as to how to best extract resources and, and essentially do what is quite predictable. Yeah. Certain, and again, I don't think this is a gender thing. We don't need to gender it. Certain levels of people will do anything they can to get ahead in life, even if it means ruining someone else's life. I believe it's a lot more logical to assess that we have some people using nefarious tactics to get resources or attention or whatever the agenda is. I think that's a lot more realistic than someone who's very wealthy having to exploit someone for a small amount of money. Yeah. When mm -hmm. you were driving a Bugatti and flying private jets, logically, do you have the time or the attention to try and exploit someone for L low, low levels of money? It, it, no. it, again, so yeah. yes, there's a lot of people saying there's no evidence, but on top of that, there's no logic being applied here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if we look at the other side, we know that he's very influential. We know that many different people with significant power would like him to shut up and stop empowering men, stop speaking pro-traditional values, perhaps stop representing and, and bringing attention to Islam. Isn't it a logical conclusion that perhaps there's an agenda here? Yeah. And again, I'm not a lawyer, but we can see with some of the tactics that are happening, why is the CCTV footage not included? Why are there all these leaks coming out? Yeah. You know, why are they being held for such an extended period of time without charges. Yeah. I understand Romanian law is Romanian law. I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to criticize a legal system. I'm, I'm not a lawyer. Yeah. But on a logical, ethical, human level, if you have evidence, why would you not charge somebody? Yeah. These things, for me, as a layperson, as a non-legal professional, they don't add up. So yeah. that would be my response to your question. Mm -hmm. What it seems to be is these two women decided and, and, and kind of plotted to mm -hmm accuse him of whatever mm -hmm. and as you mentioned there were the records from the whatsapp chat that were leaked between them and between one of them and their family uh, literally conspiring to lie and this these conversations took place a day or two days before the case was opened up against him which was back in april last year so everyone's saying this has been an ongoing investigation it's been going on since april it seems to be the case that this whole thing started with these conversations false uh, allegations and them conspiring to lie against him and then this went on for since last april up until today he's been in romania he's lived there for a long time he recently moved out and he just went back for a visit 
and they got him because of a pizza box at his at his <laughs> crib basically and you know we're expected to take that wholeheartedly and, and not question it at all i think that's that's very very flawed it's remarkable how many people will accept any narrative that's fed to them yeah yeah the, the the sheep really are asleep nowadays it's quite remarkable so obviously the pizza box thing is ridiculous Romanian government would know when someone comes into their country. There's a little thing called passport control. You don't need a pizza <laughs> yeah. box. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to, to your point, I think the the fact that this has been an open investigation since April of last year, what are we, nine months, ten months? Yeah. And you still don't have enough to charge somebody, but you're going to strip them of their liberty, of their freedom of movement? Yeah. To me, that's pretty unethical. Absolutely. Again, I'm not a legal professional, but I see a lot of... I mean, I, I thought the... The haters, the, 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 essentially the liberals, the left, yeah. were pro-human rights, pro these things. Yeah. What, if someone you don't like is, is imprisoned for months, then it doesn't matter? Human rights don't matter? Yeah, so absolutely. And that's one of the biggest flaws on their side. They, they will always argue for freedom of speech, freedom of belief, freedom of sexuality, freedom, freedom of any regard until it's with someone they don't like. I literally, my friend Orlando on TikTok, he posts very controversial content. They literally put a petition, you know, death penalty for him. And it's like, where did your liberal values go? Like, maybe they started as a joke, but, you know, that's not a funny thing to joke about. To me, it's it's a modern-day version of the Gestapo. You know, if you commit a thought crime, you're no longer a citizen. You need to be thrown in the gulag. But yeah. it's a virtual Gestapo. Yeah. Oh, you've said something against our narrative. Therefore, you don't have any rights, mm -hmm. and we're going to cancel you and get you off all platforms. I had that happen to me. I, I, was, I was doxxed. I had people harassing... Uh, you know, known associates, my former employer, wow. all these different things. My, my One day I couldn't log into my Twitter, which I still can't. I had wow. Shahada there as my bio. That was taken away. All, all these things. And, and all these f strange and very weak false allegations made against me. If you want to come after people like Andrew, I get that. He said a lot of wild things. I'm a pretty boring professional. <laughs> like, you're going to come after me with all these false allegations, and now it's on record. So you, you can slander somebody's name without any real basis. But these haters, these these liberal activists, they still think they're the good guys. It's remarkable. Mm, yeah. I'm, I'm a very caring uh, father. I'm, I'm a, a, a very respectable professional. I try to bring the value I can to society. I give zakat. I gave zakat even before I became Muslim. As as, as and I don't I don't need to advertise it. I do it. You know, it's there's a, it's a bit of a selfish thing to give. It gives you satisfaction, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. What have these haters done for society? How many how many you know what 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 are they doing for their their, their community. What, yeah. what, what donations are they giving to help, you know, the, the earthquake victims in, in Turkey? Yeah. These people are toxic, but they walk around thinking they're doing something good. Yeah. I've really, really, and to be honest, I'm happy I'm not on Twitter because what a cesspool of negativity. Yeah. These mm -hmm. people need the real world. They need faith. All these Tate haters, they need faith in their life. They're, they've lost touch with God. They're overly attached with Donya. You know, they're, they're very, their mindset is all very toxic. I, I reckon it might sound a bit sort of cheeky, those who are hating on Tate, who are coming after Tate, I think Islam would solve a lot of their problems. I genuinely mean that. I think mm. if they were, you know, five times a day Salah if, and, and reminding themselves of what matters and what doesn't in life, they wouldn't be consumed with all this negativity focused on, on Tate, someone they don't even know. Yeah. Making all these assumptions and allegations about something, someone they don't even know. I've been around this man for hundreds of days. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a professional who's been trained in, in, in reading people. I think I would know if he, he was some wildly exploitative criminal. Yeah. You know, he's lived in my house. Yeah. Yet these people who've never even met him feel they have the conviction or the investigative ability yeah. to completely slander his name and present their weak assumptions as facts. Yeah. Disgusting state of affairs. Yeah, and it's funny. It's funny because everyone—you're not the only one. Everyone who has actually met him. Mm. 
that I've seen has said nothing but good things about him. And I've even more than met him. I've seen him interacting with women. Yeah. I'm on I'm on I'm in his house. He's in my house. I'm on the boats. I'm on the jets. Yeah. I've never once seen him act in a way that matches any of these allegations. Wow. Yeah, you have all these haters who've already made up their mind as to his character and his actions. Yeah. Okay, so if we're going to take everything literally, we need to go and arrest every gangster rapper. You know, a bus a cap. All right, all right, they need to go to jail. Yeah. We need we need to arrest every WWF bad guy. You know, I'm going to find you. I'm going to kill you. Oh, we better arrest them. Yeah. He used controversial comments to break the internet and become famous. It worked. <laughs> so now we're going to pretend everything he says is literal. It's... Uh, there's a lot of holes in the arguments of the haters. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. But speaking about converting to Islam, Joel, mm. we want to know about your story. Okay. You were born into you know, whatever religion. You can talk about that if you want to talk about that, mm -hmm. how you came into Islam. But I want to know your life before Islam spiritually. Okay, cool. So 13 years of, of Catholic schooling. I'll be honest, church was always a, a chore. We used to, I remember we used to hide so we didn't have to go to church in school. <laughs> but it was, it's, it's, it was presented as a chore and... It was always a very boring, very dull thing. Having moved to the Middle East, I've been here for 15 years. I've lived in Iran, Syria, uh, a lot of time in Saudi, uh, Iraq, and so on. I always felt that, especially when I'd see people rushing to the masjid for, for Joma uh, prayer, I, I'd felt oh, they've got something I don't. Not, not an envious thing, but just seeing, you know, I, I see that they have a devotion and a brotherhood and a faith, a connection with God, which I don't. I always felt something was missing in that sense. But ultimately, my decision to revert, I mean, it was a long time coming. I was, I'd say, pretty serious about my reading uh, for the last five years because it's not, it's not a small decision, right? And there's no mm -hmm. going back. Once it's done, it's done. <laughs> it was not an emotional thing. Um, it was purely logical. And my reasoning being that, first of all, if you want to get the most out of the human experience, why would you live without a connection to God? You know, uh, if, you, if you want to perceive humanity with a certain system that made you the most worthwhile human you could be you know to, to live out your human experience in the best way possible to therefore contribute the most to humanity to, to your family to society and so on why not islam because for me it's a lot more than just a, a religion in the, in the sense that to answer your question pre-islam i thought religion was go to church once a week you know say say a few things Understanding Islam, to me, it's, it's so much more than what I perceived a religion to be before. It's a system for perceiving the world. It's a system for self-programming yourself effectively. What, what are you doing when you, when you pray? You, you're giving gratitude. You're acknowledging that you are not you know, the center of the universe. <laughs> you're, you're conceptualizing things like shaitan, you know, temptation. You're, you're conceptualizing the fact that you are accountable to a higher force. How does that not make you a better human? And therefore, better positioned to give value to your family, to stay disciplined, to, to work hard for, for society. To me, it's just in a purely logical sense, Islam is a system that makes you the best version you can be when practiced earnestly and therefore makes you the most positive contributor to your family unit, to your brothers, to, to society. How can you argue against that? To me, it's overwhelmingly positive. So that, that was the turning point. If, for me personally, my main goal in life at the moment is to be the best version of the man I can be. Islam is a is a a real accelerator of that. It really is. It's it's a mm. system for life to make you the best version of a man that you can be. And I think that's I think it's quite powerful. So speaking about connection to God, mm -hmm. have you ever dealt with atheism? Because a lot of people I hear this a lot. I'm too logical for God. I'm mm -hmm. too rational to believe in a God. To that I'd say atheists to me first of all don't seem like very happy people. <laughs> so that that's the first one. Um, 
But secondly, okay, so the argument for or against God, again, what's your primary purpose for being on this planet? If, if it's to be the best version of a, of a man that you can be and give the most positive impact to your family, your brothers, the causes you believe in society, then trying to do that without, without religion, without Islam, you're missing, you're missing a, a weapon in your arsenal. So atheists, to me, they're shooting themselves in the foot. Let's say, you know, somehow they are right, which obviously we know they're not. If their belief systems don't make them fulfilled and make them the best versions of themselves that they can be, then what's the point of their belief system? I, I, I would argue that logic. <laughs> if, you're, if you can go to a mosque and feel an intense emotional connection with a higher power, feel the brotherhood of the, the, the men you're standing next to, why would you choose atheism where you miss out on all these things? To me, that's illogical. So that would be my argument there. So how would you say that Islam has changed your life? Or benefited your life? Yeah, interesting one, brother. I mean, it's, it hasn't been that long. Um, I feel a lot of energy about my desire to learn more, which I quite like. Um, typically, learning new things can be a bit of a chore. Whereas the more I read about Islam, the more I, the conversations I have, the more hunger I have to learn. So I, I feel even more motivated. I'm a pretty motivated guy already. Like I work pretty hard. I feel more motivated to carve out more time to, to increase my learning. Um, definitely going to the masjid is, I, I try and go every day. I, I've, I've been successful by one day in the last couple of weeks. There, there's, a, there's a power there, which I haven't really comprehended yet. Um, and I, I think it's simply by... I mean, the, the phrase Allahu Akbar, God, God is, is the biggest, the greatest. Just by acknowledging that and giving thanks, to me, it gets your ego out of the way. It gets your problems out of the way. And yes, you could say, you know, I'm grateful to God for everything I've, I've been given. You go to a, a masjid and you pray, that's an action. And we all know actions have more power than words. So for me, I mean, one example, ever since my kids were really little, before we go to bed, we always take turns saying three things we're grateful for throughout the day. Because I wanted to build that mindset in my in my kids to be grateful, especially because growing up in in Dubai, alhamdulillah, they have everything they could ever want. I wanted them to stay stay grounded and stay grateful. Tell me that going and praying isn't the adult version of that. You are self-programming you yourself to be grateful. You are reminding yourself that there is a higher power, that you are accountable to that higher power. So through that practice, I've become even more grateful uh, and even more focused on each getting the most out of each day i, I find that the the ritual of prayer definitely adds discipline you need to get up you know, but by certain times you know you need to i need to learn arabic to understand what i'm saying better it, it's as a whole it, it's very motivating it's given me a lot more energy uh to approach every day yeah and how long have you actually been muslim so I actually took Shahada when I was in Philippines because I got sick of waiting. I was just <laughs> I was in a bathroom in the Philippines. But officially, um, in in uh, this masjid behind us, about I'd say ten days ago. Um, and when was Philippines, if you don't mind me? Asking. Philippines was a couple of weeks back, uh, okay, three three okay. weeks ago. Okay. I just a friend of mine who I was chatting with, he said, "You know, you can do it now. You don't have to wait to be in a masjid." Correct. So I was just like, "All right, let's go." There's this innate belief that I have that we become Muslim before we become Muslim. Mm. Like, you know you're a Muslim and you take the Shahada subconsciously before you logically come to terms with verbalizing the Shahada. Because I think that's your ego catching up with what you innately believe when you already submit. That so definitely correlates. That, to be true? Yeah, that, that correlates with my experience, 100%. 100%. The one thing I will say that surprised me a lot about Islam is the amount of emotion involved. Like, Islam is a very masculine frame with which to approach life. Traditional values are enforced. A man has to protect. A man has to provide. 
you know, if you have the blessing of, of means, then you should give back to the community. To me, it's a very masculine mindset to, to apply to life. But also the amount of emotion involved. When I, when I uh, took Shahada, the Sheikh, he cried. And he's a serious guy. He's a masculine guy. You know, you, he's the sort of guy you want to be polite to, but he shed a tear. To see such a masculine man you know, brought to that emotion is magical. I think it's, it's very rare. And then often in the masjid, people are crying. I had no idea. I had one guy next to me once. He was quivering with emotion. That's how powerful it is. So to see, and everyone's talking about the heart. Everybody talks about the heart, about the softness of the heart. I've had about four or five uh, very well-read uh, Muslim men say, you have a very soft heart. You are open to Islam. You, you'll do well. I'm like, why are all these very strong masculine men talking about the heart? It's quite an interesting thing. So that's been a real learning for me too. I think the, 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 the type of masculinity that I see in Muslim men who are, take their faith seriously is a very rounded masculinity. Yes, you take care of your family. Yes, it's your duty to be strong and, and, and to be able to defend and provide. But at the same time, you can shed a tear when talking about your relationship with God. You can feel emotion and, and that, that's not frowned upon. Mm -hmm. And everyone's talking about the heart, as I mentioned. I think it's a very beautiful thing. You've got very masculine men who are also in a healthy way in touch with emotion through their relationship with God. What a fantastically rounded way to be a man in today's day and age, where we're being told all these different forms of, of being a man are the right way. <laughs> I think the Islamic you know, approach to being a man is, is the most effective. I really believe that. So that's been a real... Uh, learning and improvement in, in, in terms of value add to my life as well, mate. Yeah, there's, um, there's one hadith where the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, he says that there's a, a piece of flesh within the body that if it's pure, then verily is the rest. Mm. And it's speaking about the heart. And then you're saying, like, it's so interesting. Why, why is everybody in Islam speaking about the heart? You know, soft mm. the heart, soft, soft Why are the these heart? guys with big masculine beards talking about the heart? Yeah, masculine <laughs> guys, yeah. I feel a bit of beard envy, bro. I need to catch up with nah, you. you know? no, no, go, go. <laughs> It's coming. It's coming. I'm trying. It's coming. It's, it's, it. it's funny. My um, my barber is is uh, a Muslim guy, and every time I ask him to trim my beard, he's like, mm, don't, I don't know if we should. You know? <laughs> Take that as a sign. It'll grow, inshallah. inshallah. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, me. no, you good. You good. So what I wanted to say is that this is hadith, and the Prophet, peace be upon him, he's he's highlighting this. And then when you're looking at Islam, you have these, you have men. You have mm. actual men, mm. and they're speaking about that softness, and and it's not it's not a quality that men uh, would inherently possess. It's something that's it's almost like uh, enforced on us by Allah. Interesting, because the the Quran is um, the Quran is very powerful. It's the words of Allah. Mm. Yeah, and I was speaking to the brothers uh, in the car about this, but the Quran, when you hear recitation, doesn't matter whether you're a Muslim or whether you say you're non-Muslim. It literally grabs you and it starts shaking you mm. and it, it makes you let go and emotions start coming up and you don't even know why like you're feeling these emotions mm. you know so it's subhanallah like it's it's a law that softens us as men but it's that softening that makes us even more masculine interesting man interesting mm. i like, it. Yeah, I like yeah. it a lot i see a lot of value the more i learn about you know, the Quran and, and all of the associated literature and a lot of conversations, the more I feel, hang on, those are the values I try to live by. Like I've independently, to your point, becoming a Muslim before you're Muslim, I've built a code that I hold myself to in life and as do my brothers, my inner circle. And then I see it represented in a book that's centuries old. It's like, well, hang on, there's power here. There's truth mm. here. If, if 
every man I know is either a who I fully respect is either a practicing Muslim or carries themselves with a very similar code, if not the same code to a practicing Muslim without identifying as Muslim, there's some power there. There's some truth there. I really, I really see that more and more. Alhamdulillah. Obviously, there's lifestyle changes when you convert or yeah. revert to Islam. Yeah. Um, for me, cutting out the alcohol is a blessing. I'm fine. Cutting out the hedonism. I'm, I'm 40 years old. I've had enough hedonism for one lifetime. If you get to 40 and you're still chasing hedonism, wallahi, you haven't lived enough. You know, that <laughs> 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 there's nothing there. The hedonism does not bring you fulfillment. I've, I've learned that through human experience. What really hurt me, hurt. I mean, what 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 I felt some emotion about was selling my gold watches. Yeah, because I, I mean, for me, as someone who grew up rough, um, I, I, I didn't even see a Rolex till I was, you know, late 20s. Um, times were tough growing up, always secondhand clothing. You know, we've all had our struggles, but having um, be, being that man who was self-made, watches were always a symbol for me of success. And I love my Rolexes. I love my collection. I had to sell a bunch of pieces. I was umming and ahhing because some people are saying it is haram, it's not haram. <laughs> but then a friend of mine who I respect, who actually was the one who, who taught me the ablutions, uh, I won't mention him by name because he's a high-profile guy, mm. but he knows who he is. Thank you, brother. Um, he said one line to me. He said, look, man, you can argue whether it's haral, ha haram or halal, but really, why would you be wearing gold? That's for women. I was like, oh. He's got me there. No, because he's got me there. It is an adornment. It is an adornment, bro. It, it's beautifying yourself. Exactly. So I was thinking, and, and he's like, well, why would you be wearing jewelry that is, you know, looks looks better on women? And that was, I was like, okay, you got me now. As an Aussie, <laughs> if you're going to question my masculinity, it's definitely done. So, so I had to, I had to sell a bunch of watches. I did it pretty much straight away, because at the end of the day, if we are holding ourselves to account to be the best men we can be, then that means anything that detracts from that why are we doing it yeah. that, that was my reasoning there wow. and, and then at that point i no longer was so regretful about having to sell my gold watches wow wow that's beautifully said you know actually it reminds me of a hadith of one of the companions of the prophet muhammad peace be upon him he said take yourself to account before you're taken to account mm -hmm. or hold, like hold yourself accountable before you're held accountable i like that that's beautiful and that's one of the things i've really been talking about a lot imagine if every person on this planet felt accountable to a higher force we wouldn't have crime We'd have a very compassionate society. If everybody believed in Judgment Day, if everybody believed every one of their actions were being noted and, and, and witnessed by a, you know, the creator, tell me that doesn't result in a much better society. Absolutely. Yeah. Even, even like the founder of liberalism, John Locke, he said you can't trust atheists because they have no morality, nothing mm. objective. Mm. You know, so if someone who lived that long ago who founded liberalism, which is what you know, Western society is based on nowadays, he says that, then how are Muslims, you know, you know, not at least 10 steps ahead of him in that regard. Exactly. And that was, to go back to an earlier question as to what brought me to Islam, I realized all of the men who I really, truly respect are, are Muslims who take their faith seriously. I just kept noticing that. You know, that's a guy who I could trust, you know, my children to if I needed to, who I could give my, my net worth to and not be worried. So to that point, if we all held ourselves to that, that sense of accountability, to me, that's a powerful way to to hold to make, to force yourself to be the best version of a man you can be. Yeah. It's very powerful. Yeah. And that's beautiful because that's literally exactly. And I was telling you this before that you described Islam in a way that a lot of people, unfortunately, they just don't understand it to be. Right? Islam is something that is meant to be implemented. Mm. Dawah, you know, calling people to Islam is not just it's not just teaching them about you know what we believe. It's getting them to enjoin the good and forbid the evil. 
You know, mm. you you enjoin on yourself and others that which is good, that which is beneficial, and you forbid on yourself and others that which is evil. You know, that which leads to the regress or degeneracy in society. Mm. You know, that's exactly what Islam is. Something that's supposed to be implemented into your life like by it. yourself and by society as a whole. A system, if you will, to, to live life, exactly. not not just words. Exactly. And I like that. And I mean, without getting too sort of deep about it, I genuinely believe Islam is the only solution to deal with shaitan. I think when we look at the way liberalism has taken over the West yeah. and we see all sorts of agendas even being pushed on young, innocent minds of children, Islam is the only defense that we have against that. And so for me, people who are not actively looking into Islam or who haven't you know, reverted yet, inshallah, they're not reading the chessboard of life properly. Because if you look at the state of affairs, what's, what is the solution to the so-called progressive liberal degeneracy we see being spread throughout society the the men no longer feeling the need to protect and provide where have all the good men gone <laughs> the women who no longer realize that having sex with many strangers is going to damage you like it's to me the way western society has gone i think it's lost to shaitan yeah. and that's why i think islam is literally the only solution to deal with that that damage that we're seeing in the west yeah. and i mean i mean again like it's amazing that you mentioned that because islam you said it's a system, right? Mm. The word deen, which is usually translated to religion, is not just religion. You know, religion is more so like something like Christianity, just religion. A deen is a full way of life. Interesting. You know? I didn't know that. It's something that a person is supposed to, you know, s completely subscribe to in life, right? Mm -hmm. And this whole talk of the matrix, the matrix, people think it's some sci-fi thing. I think the matrix is is a really good way to dumb down what a, what the deep state is, you know, mm -hmm. to a lot of laymen. The deep state is what, like the, the deeper level to the government, the people who really call the shots, make the agenda, write the rules. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the politicians, everyone else is just the face of that. Mm -hmm. Like, don't you find it remarkable that no matter who you elect in office, nothing really changes? Mm -hmm. You know, it's been so long of electing, you know, uh, Trudeau, then someone else and someone else in Trudeau or, you know, Clinton, Bush. Uh, Obama, nothing changed. People thought Obama, Obama was amazing. He, he bombed the Middle East like nobody else. At one point, he was bombing seven countries, all of whom were in the, I think the, the category of the world's most desperately poor countries. Oh, how many, how many Americans were aware of where their tax-paying dollars were going? Yeah. And we gave this man a Nobel Peace Prize. Again, I don't want to get too deep into politics. Yeah. I think there are much more important things to focus on in life. But tell me, that's, that's not a form of evil, man. Yeah, you know, the, the, the most wealthy country in the world routinely bombing the most poorest countries in the world. That 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 makes me sad on a very deep level. Yeah, it does. It, and it's, it's an atrocious thing. But if you look at you know the life of the Prophet peace be upon him and Islam, and, and this is something me and the brothers you know discussed extensively. Alhamdulillah, Islam is not just a solution for every individual. Is, Islam is a solution for Western problems. Islam mm. is a solution for all of life. And Islam is what will break the matrix, mm. right? Uh, Andrew Tate talks a lot about breaking the matrix and all that stuff. And something I, I really want to discuss with him is you're breaking them out of the matrix, but what are you putting them into? You mm. can't just bring people out of something. That's a very valid question. Yeah, and not have an alternative. Islam is the alternative. If you look at the life of the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon mm -hmm. him, he came to, to contest the matrix. He came to, con to con, you know, contest the people at, on the top. These people had, you know, pilgrims essentially from all over Arabia come to worship statues and idols and they would pay them to do that. So when you have this man, peace and blessed be upon him, come and he's like, these idols are nothing. You should not pay money to worship them. You shouldn't worship them at all. Actually, we should destroy all of them and worship the one creator and you could do that for free, right? And he's trying to equalize even the rich and the poor on the same level, you know, not in, not in terms of money, but in terms of, you know, their worth and their value in society and, and in the eyes of God. They didn't like that. If 
Prophet Muhammad wasalam, had an Instagram page, he would have been cancelled hard. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> of, course, of course. But to your point, I really like that. And I love. Let's present that to Tate. I think that'd be great. Yeah. If you break people out of the matrix, what do you give them? Because humans need dogma. I mean, it's there's only so many alphas that can exist in, in, in a tribe. Yeah. Most people are designed to be followers, right? Yeah. And so we're either going to get that dogma, that guidance on how to live from religion or from government, like communist states, you know, that the party should be worshipped, or from culture. And nowadays, modern-day culture is... It, it's it's degenerate. It, it's absolutely it's anti-family. Mm. It's anti-men uh, being traditional, looking after their, those they care about. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's anti-women mm -hmm. looking after themselves. Like it's modern-day culture is is such a terrible place to find that dogma, that that guidance for life. Yeah. That yeah, that's a good point. Once you break people out of the matrix, what do you give them? Yeah. And uh, I think again, the answer. Is I see no other answer than Islam. Absolutely. It makes Absolutely. you wonder if everyone's so liberated, why are they not happy? That's it. Well, you can see there's a direct correlation between the more free and liberal a country is and the higher divorce rates. When we have divorce rates, we have single-parent families. And statistics clearly show the issues that come from single-parent families. More likely to end up in jail. More likely to die at an early age. More likely to have learning issues as, as children. Yeah. And then, then also, I've done a lot of reading on this, there's a direct correlation between the more liberal a country is and the, the more people live, not use, but live on antidepressants. Wow. Again, it, do we really want to pretend that this progressive, progressive, progressivism, this modernity is making people happy? If, if you want to say that living on antidepressants is happy, then sure, that's what it's achieving. <laughs> but for me, and I, I said this in the Vice documentary, and I, I believe they tried to frame it as me being misogynistic, the happiest people I, I know are the men and women who are in relationships that adhere to traditional dynamics. Yeah. Now, yes, a woman can do whatever she wants. A man can do whatever he wants. The point I was making is, from my lived experience, the most fulfilled relationships are where the man is doing that which is traditionally, you know, done, you know the actions traditionally done by the man, yeah. and the woman is doing that which is traditionally done by the woman. Yeah. Now, again, any woman, any man can do whatever they want. But for maximum fulfillment, I'd love to see a counter-argument to the fact that those adhering to traditional dynamics, traditional relationship dynamics, traditional gender roles... I see again and again, they're the ones who are the most fulfilled in life. Yeah. And, and they're the ones who are giving the most back to society. They're the ones who are most high output, most productive. So this, I, I'm yet to see anyone really be a great example of, I'm following liberalism, I'm following modernity, I identify as a Coke can. <laughs> I'm yet to see them be really happy and fulfilled in life. I just yeah. see a bunch of issues. And are we surprised? If you're a child and you're told, hey, wait a sec, you can be a this or a that, a man or a woman, of course you're going to be confused. And there are psychologists, even in Sweden, coming out saying this is damaging for kids. Yeah. So I, th I, th I really think, whether it's conscious or unconscious, I think that's the work of shaitan. I think it is society destroying evil. And again, the only viable answer is Islam. Yeah, 100%. Every, every avenue of Western society nowadays is, com is a complete fight against Islam. You know, you can honestly summarize it in a few sentences. Liberalism is their deen. It's their religion. It's their mm. way. Wokeism is the new religion. Exactly. Yeah. And their God is are their desires. Mm -hmm. Literally, because a God is anything you obey. That's what Allah SWT says in the Quran. Have you seen the one? Or he asks, have you seen the person who takes their own desires as their God? Because uh, we were talking about this before. Ibad, the worship, a big part of that is who do you obey? Mm. So if your desires say, oh, I want this. I want women. I want to eat that. I want to go there. I want to. You desire that and you do it. That's basically like God telling you, go do this and you're going and listening no matter what. Because that's what you obey above everything else. Mm. And liberalism is their way. You know, uh, do whatever you want as long as you're not harming other people, even if you harm yourself. Go chase your own pleasures. That's exactly 
what what they're taught to do and it's exactly what they do that's wild too and and you see platforms like vice pushing pedophilia yeah pushing drug use man they push drug use so much what benefit is there to society by pushing the youth into drugs it, it, tell me that's not evil again i'm not a conspiracy theorist i don't buy into the whole new world order but what i see with my own eyes is leftist media houses leftist documentary makers pushing this decrepit rubbish onto the minds of the youth i think it's really damaging i think it's disgusting Absolutely. and they'll claim the opposite bro they'll claim that you know what it's not a religion i don't look at it as a god i'm not worshiping it but then what are they doing you dare speak against it they'll wage jihad against you <laughs> the cancellation thing great. is real it's amazing man so let's talk about that a bit so the whole matrix cancellation or attempt i should say right because i think they utterly failed completely mm -hmm. but their whole attempt where do you think this stemmed from i don't think there's a bunch of big bad leftists sitting around in a room calculating how to destroy masculinity or destroy the family unit i do think there are certain narratives that take on and just spread like wildfire now if i was a leader of a country would i want a bunch of free thinking strong banded together brothers that's a bit threatening isn't it however if i had these weak men who are essentially being owned by their wives disrespected by their children too unhappy to really rise up that you could argue that's a good thing if your goal is to control the masses so i think at the end of the day the less masculine a population is the easier it is to control so i think many leaders around the world perhaps have bought into this anti-masculinity drive simply because of control reasons and again i don't think it's some globally orchestrated new world order as far as my opinion but i just think certain narratives benefit those who are in power and say for example if you destroy the family unit if you take away religion from people's lives where are you going to look for 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 guidance you're going to look to the, look to the government look to mm. culture which can be influenced by you know the, the power players of the world so to me this is all about control that's all it is there's a lot more of the masses than there are of you know the rulers why not make the people as sheepish and as lost and as easily controlled as possible that that's why i see that's what i see driving the assault on you know masculine values on traditional values on on religion see that's the same thing we're trying to do like brother rami said we're trying to replace this whole matrix and brainwashing with islam but the system is doing the opposite they're like 10 steps ahead 100 steps ahead they replaced religion with the system mm, with a new type of religion yeah mm -hmm. i don't think you can ever beat um wokeism i think the, when the left controls the information flow instagram hollywood you know mainstream media how are you going to compete against that the only way to do it to me is by those who are open who have that soft heart to islam finding islam and holding themselves to a different set of morals holding themselves to a different level of accountability instead of trying to please the the woke gods by putting their bio in their twitter handle they need to please allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which is which is a lot deeper and a lot more meaningful and a lot bigger value add to society i saw an amazing study that that checked the amount of actual charity work done by liberals compared to those the charity done by conservatives conservatives give so much more so again these and that was that was in america these liberals walking around thinking they're doing something by just basically hating on anyone who doesn't spread their narrative they're not actually benefiting society they're not doing anything of value other than spreading negativity okay so with andrew tate mm. yeah we see that he's a uh, very on top of everything mm. and uh, top g yeah yeah top <laughs> g yeah he said many times like that he only eats like 
at the end of the day, mm-hmm. stuff like this. That's and then you mentioned earlier that he's literally working all day long. It's constant. I'd love and to. He's t- training as well. I'd love to talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. So and then we mentioned as well that that you you said he has an iron mind. Mm. And I asked you, what is an iron mind? Why don't you go into that? Okay. So. The eye and mind, as far as I perceive it, is just a singular, un- undying focus on, on conquest, and and conquest in terms of Tate's life is obviously making money is one metric, um, having success in all, all worldly realms, learning, you know, constantly exercising the brain, the body. Every day, Tate wakes up and he's almost angry at himself for having not conquered yet, not achieved, not learned, not evolved as a man, and so he literally will not eat because that's when his mind's most clear and he can most you know his, his output is highest until he's made a certain amount of money or, or you know achieved a certain amount of learning had his, his conquest for the day then he'll allow himself to eat five or six o'clock and he doesn't eat much he keeps himself hungry because that's when he's most optimal his whole thing in life is how can i be the most high output man i can be so and examples for example when we were on the yacht in Croatia, we flew in one of the world's best drone pilots, Yaxo, incredible work. We had a, a super yacht, hundreds of thousands of euros a week, jet skis. I had to say, hey, Tate, do you want to stop working and we'll get some footage on the jet skis? He shuts the laptop. He's like, oh, I guess we should. We, you know, buzz around on a laptop for 20 minutes. He's back on the laptop. Like, that man lives to work. That's all he cares about. So, yes, he, he attained global fame because of controversial comments and, you know, playing that. That He understands how to... How to bring in attention, how to monetize attention. Mm. He's mastered that. But also, he works constantly, more than any man I've ever seen. He's so driven. So to tie into that, I'd say, Iron Mind is that singular focus every day. He doesn't do weekends. In the hundreds of days I've spent around him, I've never seen him chill and watch a movie. I've never, he doesn't do holidays. It's on every day without exception. And he's training as well. He'll hit the same muscle group every day for 10 days in a row. It's just different. It's He's operating on a level of output and, and hence an energetic frequency that's higher above any man I've ever seen. And how is that possible? So one, he's, he's naturally very intelligent, very driven, but he also surrounds himself with, with other men, so there's that masculine accountability. He and his brother, very competitive. I, I try and get in the mix a bit myself. I remember when I started first rolling with the Tates, I'd need like a week off to recover when I was around them because training constantly, there was a lot of hard drinking, very little sleep, you know, smashing cars around mountains, uh, constant push, constant conquest, constant work. Oh, I'd be exhausted. But nowadays when I'm around the guys, I have the same energy, that, that same frequency, that same high output. I also fast all day and eat, and eat when the work is done. So it's, it's, it's like a muscle you can develop being that super high energy, high output, high frequency man with other high output men around you. you, you your boy drops and does push-ups in between you know, typing weight. You're not going to not do it. <laughs> you know, your boy doesn't sleep for hours because he's working constantly. You're not going to say, oh, I'm going to bed while he's working. That sense of masculine accountability with which Andrew and Tristan hold each other to account, that's also a very powerful part of, of living in that masculine frame, that conquest-focused frame. It's quite remarkable to see. As I said, at first it was exhausting, but now I'm there myself. I work every day. I train every day. It, it, it's Why would I, especially now that I'm learning about Islam, why would I sit and watch TV? How does that improve, improve my skills in life? I could be, I could be mm. taking a chess lesson. Why would I sit and play video games when I could be learning about Islam and about you know, texts that are hundreds of years old but are still powerful to this day? It's, mm. it's this undying energy and motivation for daily progress as a man, daily conquest. And that's part of the reason why Tate's so famous. It's not talking about women or saying, you know, 
controversial things. The reason he has so many fans is he helps ignite that fire in other men and women too to be the best version of, of, that they can be, to put in that endless work every day. Um, his various products, as I understand them, are communities where, and I'm part of the war room, I definitely understand that one, communities where every man in there is holding themselves to account. Did you really put in your best effort today? Did you, did you fast so you could maintain that clear mind so you can go out and conquer? Or did you watch Netflix and eat ice cream, you know, like, like, a, good, like a good sheep? And that's why he's so famous. It's that motivational message. He is able to take that high output energy and it can empower other people to lift up and have that same focus, that same drive, that same iron mind. That's the real reason why he's famous. You won't hear that in the newspapers. You won't. Yeah. Yeah. You hear slander like incel. Yeah. He was born rich. He had an easy life. I love that. Is that, is that what someone <laughs> would do? And, and you hear with women too, you hear misogynist, someone that abused women. But what was your experience with him interacting with women? So again, I can say hand on heart, I've never once seen him act in a way that matches these allegations. Never once have I seen him even be rude to a waiter. The real Tate that you interact with is a very polite individual. Yes, he's on his phone a lot because he's working and he's focused, but he is never, I've never once seen him be openly disrespectful or nasty towards anybody. That's not who he is. And you hear that from everyone who actually knows him. Um, so yeah, I hope that answers your question. But the, the real Tate is very logical, very intelligent, very respectful, and very, very driven. Again, if a man is that focused on, on conquest, on, on becoming the best version of himself, why would he engage in this, this low-level stuff that he's accused of? Is it, what's more likely? A guy with a Bugatti trying to exploit someone for, I don't know, what is it, a couple hundred dollars a day? Yeah. Or getting online, bringing in the attention of the world and monetizing that, which mm -hmm. we know he can do effectively. Yeah. So, and and some, some other things about Tate. I think the best way to put it is that he is very, he's very firm and he's very principled, but he's also very empathetic. You know, a lot of people will try and say he's a narcissist or he's a, a, a this or a that. Spend time with the guy. He's very empathetic. He's very respectful. He's very... For his brothers, he'd do anything. Once you were in a circle with Tate, he is extremely caring as a man. So all this idea that he's somehow some nasty guy... And look, let's get specific. If two adults want to engage in sexual acts that are forceful... I mean, what is the most popular book of all time outside of, you know, the holy books? I hate mentioning them in the same sentence. Fifty Shades of Grey. Have you seen that? One of the most successful books of the last couple of decades. Yeah. It's because a lot of women are into that sort of thing. Now, if you're going to engage in that sort of stuff consensually, that's your business. Why is that all of a sudden being used as, as a pretense to say that this man is a monster? I mean, let's, let's, and let's be really honest here. The majority of women in the world do have fantasies that involve BDSM or Fifty Shades of Grey type activities. That's why mm. the book is so popular. We're going to forget that and say, oh, wait a sec, Tate strangled a woman during intimacy. I know Tate. He's not going to force that on somebody. I also know women. Women enjoy that sort of thing. Right. All of that is just being forgotten in the media all of a sudden. He's just a bad guy. Yeah. I, I, thought, I thought the left were meant to be accepting yeah. of people's sexual preferences. Why are we kink-shaming? <laughs> Tell me that's not kink-shaming. It's the textbook kink-shaming. If every married man had his conversations with his wife leaked, I'm sure there would be things that they would deem as forceful or this. Especially if you screenshotted just a part of that conversation, not the exactly. whole thing. Yeah. Again, I mean, if, if we're talking about the dark side of the left, Stalin's head of security was famous for saying, show me the man, I'll show you the crime. In other words, if we want to look into any citizen, we can find crimes to okay. pin it on him. Mm -hmm. yeah. And this is what we're seeing right here. Tate spoke against the agenda loudly. He, he 
became the primary point of reference for the fighting age males of the of the world. Mm. That's a serious amount of power. Yeah. So let's let's accuse him of something, even if the evidence is so weak that we have the two main complainants on record conspiring about how to how to lie and, yeah. and, and entrap this guy. Yeah, but he's still in jail. It, to me, it's it's mind bending. It's, it's Joel, when you look at the the way that the matrix works, they mm -hmm. tend to you you find patterns. The way that they handle one thing, it's the way that they handle most things. Yep. So the same way that they're handling the, this mishap, they take one thing that he probably had an exchange with, with one of his girls at the time, and they use that to represent his entirety. Mm -hmm. They do that with him as a whole, as a person. Mm. They'll take a clip out of context where he's talking about one thing, and they will only show that one individual clip. Mm -hmm. I get it. That's how the internet works. That's how TikTok works. That's how YouTube shorts works. But they don't actually show the long-form content. Mm. And I saw street interviews where women were asked publicly, like, do you watch Andrew Tate? They're like, yes, I hate him. And they're like, what do you watch? They're like, oh, he's always on my For You page. They're like, have you watched any long-form content? Mm -hmm. No, I haven't. <laughs> so how do you know someone like that then? There it is. And for those who want to see the current Tate, watch Tate's final message on Rumble. Mm. It's there. That's, that's the level-headed, non-playing-a-character Tate. And it's very different to that guy... You know, talking all, all, all a good game. <laughs> but to your point, the most clear-cut example of that selective soundbiting, you know that clip where he's banging out the machete, boom in her face, shut up, and they're like, look, Tate's talking about putting a machete in someone's face. Yeah. The full long form says he has machetes around his house. You know, he, he grew up rough, man. Southside Chicago, Luton, these are dangerous places. He, he grew up rough, you know. He was a professional fighter. People were trying to hurt him. He's had 80-something fights. Wow. So as a result, he's very safety conscious and he has a lot of weapons in his house. It's not a crime. None of them are illegal. The pistols that are in his house were from his licensed security team. Let's not forget that. You know, he doesn't break any laws when it comes to weapon ownership or he'd be charged like that. But what we see there is Tate was saying, all right, so I've got a lot of uh, knives around my house. Some people say, what if a woman busted you cheating and got a machete and put it in your face? He said, I would bang out the machete, grab her up. He's saying how he would react if the woman was attacking him with a machete. But they completely remove that yeah. context yeah. and they make it look like he's coming at some woman with a machete, which he would never do. Yeah. It's such nasty games. How convenient. Yeah. It is. And, and all these so-called investigative, you know, independent journalists, all these people who've formed all these opinions on Tate, they haven't even watched the full-form videos. <laughs> Yet they're somehow, you know, they can go on a Twitter space and speak with some authority about a man who they've never met and mm. never even researched thoroughly. Yeah. It's quite remarkable. Yeah. I mean, they, they always need some kind of enemy. They always need some kind of narrative. They always need some kind of drama being stirred up to the public so that, you know, the government can always be seen in a nice light. You know, they're, mm. they're protecting us. They're, they're handling human trafficking. They're, you know, they're protecting the citizens. Um, and if you look at other people like politicians and like Julian Assange and these people who America hates, they also have uh, allegations against them. Mm. And it's the same exact method. People came out or did, multiple women came out and said, he did this and that to me. And that's your answer there. I mean... Again, if you want, and I believe this very strongly, if you want to be intimate with a woman, I think your responsibility, if we're talking about traditional values, is to take care of her. Mm -hmm. If you want to be intimate with multiple women, then I think you should take care of those multiple women mm -hmm. within the framework of Islam. Make it halal. Look after them equally. Look after their, their, their family as well. Right. If you want to be that big boy and have a bunch of different women then do it properly as per Islam and, and be the patriarch who takes care of multiple families. Otherwise, having sex with a bunch of women leaves you liable as a man because these sorts of things can happen. And for the longest of time, I've always been of the opinion that 
as you get more and more famous, you need to be more and more careful with who you let into your life, man or woman. And if you're bringing in a lot of low-frequency people, some of them are going to think, hang on a sec, I can work in a job I don't want for hours and make X amount of money, or I could make claim Y against individual you know, Z and make X amount of money. Again, to all the young men out there, if you have the urge for multiple women, get your money right, convert to Islam, and have multiple wives. Otherwise, you're putting yourself at risk, and also you're not helping society. How does casual sex help society? Whereas if a man has multiple wives in Islam and takes care of multiple families, in a world where it's where have all the good men gone, if you're one of those good men who's taking care of multiple families, that is a positive value add for society. So I disagree with all this pickup culture stuff and all this, mm -hmm. you know, hit it and quit it. That damages the woman. That doesn't help society. I don't necessarily think it damages a man, but it's definitely a waste of a man's potential. Mm -hmm. So again, if you want multiple women, be prepared to take care of multiple women and doing it, do it properly and ethically un under Islam. That's my view on this thing. This is where it comes back to what you said that everybody needs Islam. Mm. But then look at this society nowadays. Would you say that we are where we are because there's a lack of discipline? There's a lack of order in today's society? Mm, definitely. I, I see you, right? 100%. I think, and I think it's primarily men's fault. I don't believe in blaming mm -hmm. women for the state of society and, or, or blaming women because, you know, th there's a lot of men I, I find are angry at women nowadays because, you know, they, they can't find a good woman. In the same way women are angry at men, they can't find a good man. If you are a good man and you, you put in the effort to maintain your physicality, to, to have good men around you, to build businesses, to, to get your money right, you'll be able to find good women and you'll be able to work with that partner to create a loving and mutually beneficial relationship. I think where society has gone wrong is men have forgotten that if you want a good traditional values woman, you've got to be a good traditional values man. That takes work. Man, I've, I've been employed since I was nine years old and I've worked. I've, I've been oh, 90 countries around the world. I've worked in you know all the modern day war zones. I put work into being the man. And it, when you get to that point, maybe then you can consider having multiple women and multiple families. Mm. Well, I think the issue is a lot of young men nowadays are like, no, no, I want multiple women without looking after them and without having to put in the work to be in a position where I can look after them. That to me is a very, I'm very against this, this dating culture and this hookup culture because I think it directly impacts society in, in a negative way. Well, that's what I'm saying. That it's, it's the lack of discipline that makes the men today boys. Mm. You know, and if thirsty, you, thirsty boys chasing, yeah. chasing hedonistic pleasure. But they don't want to take uh, full responsibility, full ownership. Mm. And in Islam, like that's what is being promoted: full responsibility, full mm. ownership. Like if you're gonna have multiple women, you better be able to take care of multiple women. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's a coincidence. I actually, no, nothing is a coincidence. Yeah, we know but that, yeah. it's like if you look at this, if you look at the the people, and I'm gonna say people because I want to include women into this as well. Mm. But if you look at people come to Islam is because at some point or another they began to enforce some form of discipline or some form of order within their lives and with, when this begins to happen you begin to come closer and closer to the truth I like, and like you said you you spent a long time trying to get to the point where you were actually a good man that could actually get a good woman and like mm -hmm. Allah says in the Quran good men are for good women and good women are for good men, but is bad it, is men. Is that said? Is it? Yeah, yeah. Man, the yeah, more I hear, the more I'm like, yes, yes. yes. But the yeah. next part is Allah says what? <laughs> and the bad next men. part, he says that bad men are for bad women, and bad women are for bad men. Man. Meaning, you literally will end up with who you are. Was it 1,400 years ago? 
Words that are so relevant to today. Timeless. Tell me there Timeless. isn't power there. It's incredible. Timeless. Incredible. I love it. All from a man that couldn't even read or write. Yeah, isn't that wild? Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Me and Anho were talking about this last night before we went to sleep. It was like, what do we say, bro? We said that something along the lines of when you have uh, when you have uh, Islam versus non-Muslim ideologies, right? Mm. We're doing the same thing. We we understand the same reality, but we don't cap. We say it as it is. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of people, they'll say, oh, in Islamic marriages, and traditional marriages, it's like, why is it so transactional? The men are just providing, protecting, and then the women are just giving intimacy and serving. Like, what is that? Isn't that so black and white? We're like, is that not a relationship between men and women? Mm. But you guys aren't admitting it. Yeah. There's all this foolery. There's all this cap that it's, it's different. You know, we're here for one another. But is that not reality? Look at the divorce rates. Yeah. You know, I think I mean, a woman truly happy with a man wants to submit to him, wants to serve him, wants mm -hmm. to make it one of her biggest life goals to obey him because she understands it's obeying Allah yeah. and, and serving him. And, and a man understands that he needs to take care of those that are under his responsibility. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like when you look at Muslim countries, we stand for very similar things that the West stands for, not in content, but the way that we stand for them. Mm -hmm. A perfect example of this is tolerance. The West has intolerance. Right? Just like we in Muslim countries, we have intolerance. Right, We're both similar in that. The thing is, we're intolerant to different things. They're intolerant. But this, the fact still stands that we're both intolerant. But when you come to Muslim countries, we're not shy about that. We make it clear this is what we're intolerant about. In the West, there's all this lie, all this deception that, oh, we're actually very tolerant. We're inclusive. We don't have lines that you can cross. But they do. 100%. Right? The left is riddled with hypocrisy. That's the one thing the left is consistent on, how hypocritical they are. For example, in certain Nordic countries, yes, we want lots of immigrants to come in from, you know, Somalia, Afghanistan. Hey, but we don't want them in the schools with our children. You know, in the rich areas, that they're going to great measures to keep keep, oh. keep keep it separate. Like it's, the left is so full of, of hypocrisy, it's amazing. And, and that's what's running the world at the moment in the West. That's why the West is lost. And that's why we see, I mean, as a security professional, London used to be the place. You can't even wear a nice watch now. Mm. Where's the place? Dubai. <laughs> somewhere with Sharia law like it's yeah I completely resonate with what you're saying and we can see it on a, on a global level yeah. and I mean even on the example of you know traditional roles they're traditional for a reason why traditional is a good thing you know mm. why is it like this is how societies ran things for like thousands of mm. years and now all of a sudden we want to come and re recreate the wheel and change it up completely mm. what are you doing I mean and look at the quality and, and I'm not I don't just mean in value I mean the quality of life for these men and women have you seen a woman with a good genuine husband and good genuine kids who are unhappy Nope. Mm. How many women are there who have the you know the the boss babe job and the OnlyFans and and they're alone and they're single and they don't have any kids and they hit thirty? Are they happy? Bro, the issue with reinventing the wheel is that it hasn't been tested. Mm. Why? Because it's new. With traditional, you know it stands because that's what got us here in the first place. Yeah. It's a yeah. very modern societal construct. And also, one thing I like about Islam is I think it resonates very closely with biology. If we break mm. humans down, and again, this is very you know s simplified. Men, uh, our key driver is testosterone. The urge in testosterone is to fornicate mm -hmm. and to, for combat, you know, for violence. Yeah. It, we should have men exercising that in a healthy way, such in healthy marriages, you know, as the patriarch, but also things like fight sports, like boxing. Like there are ways to express that, that, uh, that men have in a healthy manner. Then on the female side, we have estrogen and oxytocin from what I understand. And, and that's the urge to, to build a, a relationship, a home to, to be settled, to, to, to be essentially taken care of. 
why would you not try and live in line with these biological urges, with with the chemicals in our blood? Why would you not try and, you know, men who are driven by testosterone to be big, muscular, strong, disciplined, providing, protecting, women who mm. estrogen to be, you know, building that family unit, having that that safety around them? Like, why are we going against biology? And to your point, it's a very modern societal experiment, and it's not working. Again, the more liberal a country is, the higher the divorce rates, the higher the issues with single-parent families and everything that's documented, the higher um, antidepressant use. This this modern-day societal experiment is not working, yet we have to keep pretending that it is. It keeps getting pushed down our throats. I have young children. I don't like them watching Netflix anymore because the agenda is pushed so strongly. And also, I'll be completely blunt. I, I, I worked with um, numerous, when I was a soldier, I had numerous friends who were gay uh, as soldiers. Nothing but respect for them. These guys were killers. They were serious operators, serious guys. Y you wouldn't know their sexual preference just like you wouldn't know anyone else's. And to me, again, maybe that's against Islam, but I don't mind that. For me, someone if someone wants to do whatever they want to do in their house, who am I to judge? It's their life. What I draw issue with is why are we pushing these agendas on children? Mm. And we see, watch Netflix. Watch a kid's program on Netflix. You will see things of a sexual nature being pushed on children. To me, exactly. that is that is just evil. Why would you do that? Why would you push, whether it's straight, gay, this, that, the other, why would you push anything sexual on young children's minds? Mm. That's what I really, really view as shaitan. And I like that Islam says no to that sort of thing. And to me, it ties into me saying that Islam is the only solution to this liberalism that, that's ruining Western society. Go into that, Rami, brother. Because you know that in Islam, we can't check what happens behind people's doors, bro. Spying yeah. is haram, right? Yeah. If, if two people are doing whatever behind closed doors, what's the Islamic understanding of that? Yeah, 100%. So in, in Sharia law, whenever there's some kind of fornication, but whether it's same sex or, or opposite sex, when it's outside of marriage, you need four male witnesses who... And this is the main key. It's not just any witnesses. Like, oh, the, a random woman testified against Andrew Tate. It's people who are known in the community, who people can also basically testify for them that they're good and trustworthy people. Zena, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you need four of these men. If you can prove that one of these men like doesn't even pray or something, then like they're wiped out as well. They don't count. So you need mm -hmm. four of these people to mm -hmm. testify the same exact story, and they saw the pen go in the ink, right? Interesting. And on the, at the same time, it's haram to spy on people. So if something happens behind closed doors, we're not allowed to go spy and pre on people trying to catch them in the action. Um, and you need four people to see the same exact thing for them to be convicted of anything. Literally. So it's this huge deterrent, you know, to, to commit fornication. But at the same time, if it does happen, you know, me and Anhil and Fayed being there is <laughs> not enough. You know, another way to look at what Rami's saying is it's a deterrent because you need four male witnesses. You have to see the pen go in the ink then how is that even going to happen unless most likely they're not under closed doors or behind closed doors? Yeah. They're most likely outside. Yeah. They're most likely where they shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole thing with the Qatar and the World Cup. Like, we don't have an issue with what you guys want to do and how you want to practice your life. But don't come into our country, bring in your rainbow flag, and put that in our faces. Because at the end of the day, it's a sexual symbol at that point. Mm -hmm. Why is something sexual being displayed out where kids can see it? Like in places like uh, in, in the Nordics, they have these pride parades. Again... Do what you want in your life. Why are you doing it in public with kids involved? Mm. You see kids walking at a pride parade waving a flag. Why? It's a sexual thing. We, we, we wouldn't expose them to, again, this drag time like story, story hour. Yeah, we're, we're not going to bring in female strippers dressed like strippers. Nope. But if we bring in a transsexual stripper, that's all right in front of kids? To me, it's, it's broken. And I can't fathom how it's, it's beneficial and how it's permitted. And that's why I, w I will never like accept that the West is not broken. I think it's a failed society.
this is where we have to look at the bigger picture and we have to look at what Andrew Tate has been doing. He's been trying to make men wake up and be mm. be strong men, be actual masculine men. And in society, like, if we actually look at the bigger picture, what, uh, I don't want to say people in control because who am I to know exactly who is in control? But we'll, we'll say the elite right at the top. These people, if they have a certain agenda, which we have no idea about, we're not claiming anything here. This is, this is for entertainment real, Just being yeah. real, right? If there's people like this, if they have an agenda, like you said, in they, would want me, they would want men to be soft. They wouldn't want men to band yeah. together and mm -hmm. be stronger. Mm -hmm. Why would they want this? That's and dangerous. If, if Fighting age males banded together, you know, focused on a certain cause, that's dangerous. Yeah, yeah. And look, if you have men that are older now and they've woken up and they're actually going towards that, you can't really impact them. But mm -hmm. the kids... Mm, oh yeah wow there it is mm, oh that's why kids. it's happening man true i i can sit and watch netflix that won't change how i think exactly but you put an eight-year-old in front of that and it's not just the kids now let's add oh, the, another man. layer onto this tell the, me that's not shaitan it has habibi yeah. habibi bro not just the kids but our women mm. remember we were talking about this if mm -hmm. you if the woman is toxic in the household the entire household is affected mm. so if mm. a woman is impacted by these different ideologies and these these different ways she's being programmed the to snake think a whispering way. the snake yes. whispering to eve yes, right? literally. Yeah. so if she's thinking this way well now the whole household is thinking this way and if she's mm. raising the kids like you said mm. now you have the, the the mother teaching the kid this this wrong way mm. and then he's going to school or she's going to school and they're being taught this wrong way as well mm -hmm. you have kids in like fifth grade sixth grade seventh grade and they're being taught this curriculum mm. the, the LGBTQ, whatever, okay, we can block that out. Listen, they're being taught this mm. as a curriculum, like science wild. Wild. and history. It, it reminds wild. me of what you were saying, that this is what makes men happy in life, and this is what makes tends to make women happy. Mm -hmm. I like but to use the word fulfilled. fulfilled but for right? me, happiness comes and goes. Comes deep and fulfillment goes, is what we're chasing, right? right? Yeah. And we live authentically true to ourselves. There it is. But what's crazy is that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already told us. Mm. That in Islam, we understand that a man's responsibility is authority and maintaining his family mm -hmm. and for a woman it's their home yeah, there it is there it is and and, uh, and again that ties into the fact that to me islam is so close to biology how can you even argue against it you guys have done that little rabbit hole where we we use the the symbology of the snake whispering to eve about you know go and eat that apple and then nowadays what we have is social media uh, it's really spiking the levels of narcissism and things especially in women and of course the phones that we access the social media from have an apple on the back. You guys have done that, right? Yeah. So the way it correlates with that old Adam and Eve and the apple story. <laughs> it's pretty crazy when you look at it like that. And, and mm -hmm. who, who, I mean, just to follow the analogy, who was the snake in that story? Shaitan. Shaitan, Shaitan yeah. was like, he there came in the form man, of the right? snake. You there know, subhanAllah, I mean, people are going to be like, oh, they're conspiracy theorists and that stuff. But if you're a Muslim and you're religious, or even if you're a Christian, you're, and you believe in God, you believe in the devil, you know that the shaitan, especially as a Muslim, we know he's existed for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. Before human beings were even created, mm -hmm. he was actually up with the angels because he was such a good worshiper of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, and this is a good, you know, side note for a lot of people out there and narcissism and all that stuff. Iblis's fall was not because he said, I don't believe in God anymore. You know, that's stupid. He, he spoke to Allah. He spoke to God. Mm. His fall was when Allah commanded him to prostrate towards Adam out of respect of a new creation for God. And he said, no, I'm not doing that. It's no, experience. I'm better than him. Mm. I'm better. You made me from a smokeless fire. He's made from dirt. You want me to, you know, to, to do sajood, to put my head in the ground towards this guy? 
I don't care if you made him, you know, and that's what got him banished. And that's, he was so angry. You know, Adam, he's like, I'm going to bring as many people down to hellfire as I can. Mm-hmm. That was his mission. And, and when you look at how he first started, he went right to the descendants of Adam. As soon as Adam died, and the good and the, the, like the scholars, the upright men died, he went to the next generation. He was like, these were good people. You know, you should have some way to honor them. Later, he, brought, he basically got them to build statues of these people. Later, he got stories that these people were amazing. They did this and that. And then later, started worshipping the idols. They started worshipping the statues. Interesting. There See, Shaitan works in steps. Yeah. Yeah. He's not yeah. going to come to you right away and tell you what, yeah. what he wants you to do. And he will utilize. He will utilize even the religion. You know, he'll have people be so extreme in the religion that they take themselves out of the fold of Islam just with their extremism. Their crazy beliefs that aren't Islamic at all. He'll use the phones. He'll use the media. He'll use all these avenues possible. And he'll use the people as well. You know, Allah says in the Quran, Min al-jinnati nas The shayateen from the jinn and from mankind. mankind. There are human shayateen, human like devils out there basically. Interesting, interesting. And what I love about this is it's such a powerful archetype that every old book talks about the concept of shaitan. You know, the temptation, always, always, always whispering. Even if we go to the paganistic religions, they also have these devil figures. It's so ancient and so archetypal and there's so much power in understanding these things and how it relates to modern day life. Atheists are missing a whole level of understanding. They're just missing out on that that way to perceive the human experience. I really believe that. But it's ironic they claim that we're missing out on life. Yeah. <laughs> we're missing out on the fruits of this dunya. That's what happens when you limit yourself. You know, they limit themselves to the physical world, things that they can test and all that stuff. So if there is, and this is hypothetical for them, but it's still real enough for them to have to consider, if there is a whole other world of the spiritual realm, realm that you cannot test or see empirically, with you know these tech, these devices and a microscope and that stuff, then you're missing out on a whole aspect of life. Mm. But they don't care about that because they genuinely believe, and this is a byproduct of like secularism. They genuinely believe there's nothing beyond the physical world, mm. which it's they themselves, when they fall asleep and have a dream and Empty all this stuff, it's right? yeah, it's, it's 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 not only is it a useless belief in life and and being pragmatic and benefiting people and yourselves, but it's something that's completely unprecedented. You know with the whole discussion of does consciousness exist in the mind? Is it all physical? And when they go to sleep, and but they have dreams and all that stuff, these are evidences against what they believe. And even, you know, the belief in a God is something that is so fundamental that they did an, they did a, an experiment at Oxford University where they went got a lot of different children, different backgrounds, different beliefs, beliefs different upbringings. They asked them all, do you believe in God or a higher power? Every single one of them said yes. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them. Crazy. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I like it. This brings me to my next question that what are your personal goals if you want to share them mm-hmm. as a Muslim now? Okay, f- first and foremost is the Arabic language. I need to get that back up to speed and even better than it was because for me for me to get on a purely selfish level, but then it, it you know there are positive ramifications for those who I interact with. If prayer is action and you are effectively self-programming yourself with positive words, you need to not only say the words, you've got to understand them. <laughs> and so I, I want to not just be able to pray in, in, you know, with detail or, or read the Quran, you know, with slowly, I'm sure, but with, with some level of proficiency. I wonder, because I can, I can say the words now. Mm. I want to understand them. So it's that understanding, which is, which is my main focus in terms of my practice. Um, but in terms of sort of on a more holistic level, I want to continue the trend where Islam is making me even more motivated to get the most out of every day, to learn the most that I can, to, to you know, pray as, as we are meant to. And I really want to find ways to, especially with Andrew, to, to 
give what we can in terms of whether it's attention or, or, or money. I mean, alhamdulillah, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine in life money-wise. I'd like some really purposeful zakat. Not just, mm. oh yeah, I sent $10,000 to wherever. I want us to build something that is real and, and, and has a positive impact on the world. And, and Andrew's talked about this as well, even before Islam, that he wanted to. I mean, he has had various charitable initiatives, but we want to do something special, something big. Uh, and that, so that's, that's, that'll be a real focus when Andrew's out. I'm, I'm very sure when he comes out, you'll see the, the current Andrew, which is someone who's aware of the fact that they have a huge amount of influence and a mm. platform for putting out a very positive message in the world. A big part of that will be, will be charity, will be philanthropy. So that's, that's the end state. Allah, you know? I mean, May Allah grant you guys that. I Thank mean, you, on a side note, mm. how is all that looking? Uh, the, the mm. case and everything? Yeah, yeah. How is yeah. that looking? Okay, so from what I understand from talking to people who are, you know, right in the middle of it, everyone who looks at the case files is amazed that they're even detained in the first place. That's the consider from the professionals. You know, I don't, I don't claim to be a lawyer. Or I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not read in on the case. Everyone who looks at the real details and has access to the case files goes, what? Really? That's it? So at the end of the day, Romania is still an EU country. There's still, you know, there, there is justice there. The Tate brothers will get out because unless there's some amazing new find, which there won't be because I know who these guys are and who they aren't. And also it's been ongoing for how many months? There will be a trial, hopefully sooner rather than later. Let's stop dragging it out and they will win. That That is, inshallah, that is the end state. And so the question is how long will they be held before that trial starts? Mm. And let I mean, for me, it's like, let's do it. Let's do this trial because then they can beat it. But they can't beat this gray area where there's no real charges and all these sorts of things. But yeah, again, my key message would be every single professional who's been read in on the case has been amazed at, at how weak the evidence is. And and from what I understand, the response has been, really? They're detained over this? Like it's that, that weak. It's almost like they have him in prison and now they're looking for evidence. hundred. That's exactly what it is. hundred percent what it is. And And for me, again, this is just part of the Tate's story the redemption arc is is going to be glorious i think you know being around tate they thought the redemption arc would be all right we're cancelled off social media we're going to come back with an even bigger fame as a result and even more positivity to to positively motivate you know the the, the uh, mostly the men of the world but now this is the redemption arc coming back from this and being even more famous and even more positively impactful that's that's the end state of this and also i know a lot of people are concerned about the tates they're okay, man. They're combat ready. Those guys, are, they're serious guys in terms of their situational awareness, in terms of their mental fortitude, in terms of their discipline. Again, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the, the, you know, he won't give you that which you can't deal with. The Tates can deal with a lot. <laughs> Trust me, they can deal mm. with a lot. This, I put, it, I put it to you know everybody. What the Tates are going through here, this isn't the most difficult thing they've dealt with. No way. No way. And they know who they are. They know what they have and haven't done. They know they're going to win. So now it's just patience. And that, that's challenging though. Like Andrew especially, he's not a patient guy. <laughs> he doesn't like sitting around doing nothing. So let, let's hope that his time is spent, you know, studying the Quran. And bro, so, so who, who's yeah. tweeting the tweets from his account? I was going to ask uh, that. Yeah, from I what know. I understand, there's a direct line of communication from Andrew uh, through a lawyer to whoever has control of that. Mm. So it is Andrew mm. from, from what I understand. He is... As I understand it, he's communicating every day to his team. Mashallah. Yeah. Have you been able to speak to him? No, I haven't. I, uh, oh. I, I'd, 
at the end of the day, I think his his main focus is is the you know the legal challenge and all these sorts of things. So yes. I, I I heard a conversation he was on where I said to him, "Hey, brother, just let you know, I'm, I'm praying in the in the masjid for you every day." He said, "Thank you," but beyond that, we haven't talked. No. But he's good, man. Like he's that that is a disciplined, strong-minded dude. Mm. I wouldn't worry about him, and he's going to come out stronger than ever, sure. more focused than ever, more aware of his duty to bring a positive message to the youth of, of today's world where i mean who else is speaking about you know in in a masculine way in a motivational way to the youth of today is there mm. anyone else really that can compete with tate mm. and his powerful message despite what the media says with all this negative press the positive messages that he puts out which is 90 plus percent of his content who else really is is putting out a message that resonates so powerfully with the youth so he will come out he'll continue if anything he all of that old tate will be gone forever gone. it was already gone this is right, what people don't realize right. what they're bringing up is old content mm. so you're going to see a lot more focused i believe a lot more in touch with his faith a lot more really driven to to make the most of this influence he has money uh, you know there, there's i don't think money will drive him anymore i think it'll be how can i leave a positive legacy mm. on, on the world so if anything the powers that be are just creating an even more focused andrew who's going to be even more clear on his positive messaging to the, the youth of the world i think at the end of the day it's all positive mm. he is going to come out a lot more impactful oh. and a lot more focused on his duty to use the influence he has to bring a positive impact on society See, really if believe. we cut this part out we cut this part out but initially we planned to come here and do a podcast with andrew tate mm -hmm. and alhamdulillah now didn't work out yet we'll wait inshallah until he's out mm -hmm. but we spend the whole day with shooter and you know we went to the masjid and it doesn't it warm your heart, bro, as soon as we walk in there, we see all these brothers and mm. some of them are coming from construction, some of them are coming from this field, that field. But you go to any of them and you offer them all the money in the world to denounce their faith. They're not going to do it. I wouldn't. That, that's, that's, that's discipline. And that's what's lacking in Western society right there. It's Again, I would love, I mean, look, I don't consider myself to be a debater, but I would love anyone to try and debate the fact that Islam is not the only solution against shaitan and against mm -hmm. The, the decaying Western society that we see. Please, somebody, if you're out there, I would love to have that conversation because I don't see any argument against Islam fixing the, the, the downfall of society due to Western modernity and liberalism and progressivism. You want to know what I do hear liberal women say, though? That, of course, he's Muslim. Of course, the religion that he's <laughs> going to convert to is Islam. Of course, the thing they pick that he picks to become is a Muslim because he knows that, you know, they call, they call him Muslim. <laughs> they're like oh now he's muslim sharia law you know he's like he's gonna pick the one thing that you know oppresses women the most that's misogynistic the most what would you say to that i think that's that that's, they just don't understand islam or what i think that's cope i think westerners or liberals who say oh islam is misogynistic that that's cope for their lack of one their understanding but two if i was a liberal and i saw traditional families guided by you know god fulfilled people i'd be pretty angry inside <laughs> i would see my religion that of the religion of wokeism in their heart they know they're not happy then if they look and see these these beautiful families and these brothers who are bonded together and these women who are fulfilled being women and men who are in, you know fulfilled being men I'd, if i was a liberal i'd be pretty angry at that because that confronts me with the fact that my religion isn't working for me <laughs> so i think it's all just cope i really do mm. and the idea that somehow traditional values are misogynistic 
I know a lot of women who are in traditional relationships who laugh and say, hang on a second, I'm provided for, I'm protected, my emotional needs are met in that my man listens to me and cares for me. If I want to have kids, I don't have to maintain a corporate career and I can stop and have kids. This, this, where have the, all the good men gone? I've got one of these good men. Okay, oppress me some more what's, then. What's the problem? If that's, if that's oppression, they're, they're happy. They'd like more oppression. <laughs> like it's, I think it's all just cope. And, and to all the, the liberals out there, these, these liberal Western women, I think they'd be, I know they'd be a lot more fulfilled if they found themselves a traditional dynamic where that, where have all the good men gone type man was there looking after them. Mm-hmm. I mean, women can make their own money. Women can have their own jobs. They can do whatever they want. But if you have a masculine man next to you, who listens to you, supports you, protects you, provides for you on every level, not just the physical. Tell me that isn't what the liberal feminists want. A a, a partner Mm. in life who's truly supportive. Take away the gender thing. If you've got someone else living in your house, wouldn't you want that person to feel, it's my duty to really look after you? But whereas if you're in some, you know, feminist type society where the man is, you know, weak and undisciplined, he can't take care of himself, let alone take care of a woman. Tell me all of these these people who are hating on traditional values and saying, oh, it's misogynistic. Tell me they themselves don't want a, a strong, caring, successful, traditional man. Of course they do. Everyone wants a partner who can look after them properly. So I just, I just any, any negativity, and this is why I'm okay being off Twitter, all these leftists getting angry and, and throwing hate around. How are your belief systems working out for you, friend? How is your religion of wokeism making your heart full and, and making you sleep well at night? <laughs> just have a look at yourself before you throw negativity at people who are actually fulfilled in their lives, who have a belief system that's actually working for them. But most people don't want to confront this and look in the mirror, see their own face. Yeah, see, when you, look at, when you look at a lot of these women, one can argue that, sure, they've, they're victims. We're all yeah. victims to some extent, right? Mm-hmm. But they've never met that guy, that guy that can take care of them, be that mm-hmm. guy for them, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and sure, yeah. So, sorry, brother. No, no, go on. What do they fantasize about? I actually saw a study, and again, it's a haram to talk about it. There's a direct correlation between being a feminist and consuming hardcore pornography. Exactly. There are studies out there. Wow. You can look yeah. this no, up no, no. from reputable, like peer-reviewed studies. Literature, yeah. When we look at Fifty Shades of Grey, what were the countries where it was selling? Mm-hmm. I don't think the West. women in fulfilled relationships nope. need to read about getting tied up and whipped. Just going to put that out there. Yeah. It, it's so the more. I believe it might be in a you know a, a simplification. Mm. The more a woman is, I don't need no man. How dare you be, you know, traditional and, yeah. and misogynistic? The more she's driven to that hardcore, a rough, strong man being rough with me. There's direct correlation there. It's so the you toughest, can de- yeah. you can deny it with your mind, yeah. but we still have very old, through the generations primal programming needs. primal exactly. needs. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off there, brother. No, no, no worries. But when you look at this, like. We're all victims to some extent. So that woman hasn't met that guy, but she's still reading books, fantasizing about that guy. About that guy. About that guy, right? <laughs> and the reality is, sure, you, you give her that guy, maybe she'll change her way. But there comes to a point where we need to take personal accountability as men and women. We can no longer just push the needle of victimization forward and be like, yeah. you know what? I've been through this. My dad wasn't there. This is my life. I don't trust no man. And this is what I'm going to continue. That's why they get so triggered at Tate and Tristan and, and all these people telling them as it is mm. because it forces them to kind of Take accountability, realize, you know what, the way that I think the world is figured out, it's wrong. It's not actually going to change everything. My belief system is not working exactly. for me. But it's, it's, so much easier, it's so much easier to just be like, you know what, no, 
they're misogynist, they're backwards. Mm. I'm good with my life. I'm going to chase my career. And yeah. I, re I refer to it as the sisterhood of victimhood. That's how I view feminism. And I have a daughter. I don't talk about her openly, but I have, I have a young daughter. From an early age, martial arts. She, 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 the first time, I have videos of her when she could just walk. I was holding her hand and she was kicking a pad being held by the trainer. Because I'm not going to raise a woman who's a victim. I'm going to raise a woman who is strong, who is capable. And also another thing, when my daughter was young, never ever was anyone allowed to come and hug her or grab her without her permission. Even me. If I came to hug her and she didn't feel like it, okay, I'll respect your space. I taught her from a very early age, you're not a victim. You have the right to say, no, this is my wall. Or no, often she's shy with new people and people are like, oh, hey, I'm like, hey, don't touch her. She doesn't want to talk to you, you don't touch her. She, she's, I'm not raising her to be a victim. I'm raising her to know this is my line. This is what I'm comfortable with. I'm fully empowered to say no, to have my personal space. Why would you raise women to be victims per the feminist view hmm. when you could raise them to be empowered, confident, to have some physicality, yeah. to know where the line is and to be empowered to say, no, I'm not comfortable with this and to make noise and change the situation. I, I think raising women to feel that they're victims is very damaging, also from a personal security level. Mm. On, on, again, I'm a security professional, have been for a long time. If you want, take away gender, someone to be a sovereign individual who is safe in the world, you don't want them walking around feeling like they're a victim or under threat. You want them putting time into training. You want them having that, no, stop, I'm not comfortable with this. Mm. Why aren't we teaching women that if we really care about women? Why are we telling them that they're victims? I don't, I, don't, I don't gel with that sort of thinking at all. Before we get back into the podcast, we've got a very special announcement. As you can see, we are here in Masjid Al-Nabawi. For all the Muslim brothers out there that are trying to level up that drip game, we have our first drop coming out soon. We have 200 pieces that are going to be released within this drop. So if that's something you're trying to do, then click the link on the screen in the description box down below to get 10% off on the drop day, which is March 31st. And make sure to check your email box so you can see if you got the message, check your spam folder as well to see if you got the message so that way you can be on point and be notified as soon as we release this calling on March 31st. 5% of all proceeds are going to building a masjid in Norway. So make sure that you are checking your email so that you can confirm and be notified when we drop on March 31st. The collection is going to be called Victory in Patience in honor of Andrew and Tristan Tate for what they're going through right now. So let's make dua so that Allah releases them as soon as possible and brings them out in the best state that he can possibly bring them out in. And with that being said, let's get right back into the podcast. Mm. Yeah, so what I want to say on this, man, is it goes back to the bigger picture. There's something else going on because they're also trying to control the women, but not the men, but they're trying to control the women. And if you look at it, like, we have this thing that's really big, it's really popping now, and it's social media, mm. right? You got TikTok, mm. you got Instagram, you got YouTube, you got even more than this. Like, it, it's not what it used to be. Now they've designed it to where it keeps you in there. The dopamine addiction's real, man. Yeah, and when it keeps you in there, you become more mindless and scroll more and more and more, and you, it puts mm. you in this submissive state to what you're consuming looking at. Consuming instead of producing. And imagine you have all these uh, subliminal messages that are popping up on there, but you're such in a mindless state that you're not catching in on it. Mm. Think about this. Women are the ones that are, tend to be on social media the most. That's true. Mm -hmm. yeah. Men, true. we do tend to be on social media, uh, but for the most part, for men, it's been the pornography. Yeah, okay. You know? 
And isn't it wild the way the left pushes pornography? I saw at one point this No Nut November concept where yeah, men, yeah. men don't masturbate no for a no month. Fab, yeah. Yeah. The left went wild saying it's bad and dangerous. <laughs> the left mm. wants you to consume pornography and to be weak. And like it's, it's wild, man. It's so blatant. Yeah. It's so clear. Genuinely, haram, Yanni. Before we before we go on with the rest of our questions, do you have any questions for us or anything that you've, you've had on your mind you wanted to? I mean, to be honest, I feel like I know you guys pretty well because I've watched a fair bit of your stuff. <laughs> my brother. <laughs> it's my honor to host you guys in my house. It really is a real honor. And also, I want to say, guys, why are you living in a failed society? Come to the UAE. <laughs> you told us this off camera too. And, and <laughs> soon, Habib, inshallah. And, and wallahi, I'll do everything I can to help you guys set up here. I, I really, I see what you're doing is very valid and, and I'd love to support it. If you guys as a podcast were a, a, a company listed on a stock exchange, I would invest in you. Wow. Well, it's true though. You're going to continue to grow. You guys are doing this for the right reasons. Even when we, we said Doha before we started, that touched me. You guys are not doing this for clout or, or for or more followers. Look at me. You are genuinely putting forward a very positive message, which has, for the youth of today, like it's very, it's needed. It really is. So anything I can do to support, I'd love to. But, but I, I really think, guys, with respect, you, you talk about you know the the importance of 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 living true to your beliefs. Why are you in the West? Yeah. It's so <laughs> weird that that, that that you reverted to Islam and moved here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, bro, we've had Islam for so long and we're still living in the godless yeah. West, bro. Well, one thing I can say for sure is that we have been talking about it a lot. Excellent. We, we have, it's in the works already. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, yeah, sure. I, I know a few people here. I believe I could add some value. So however I can help, let me help exactly. you guys get set up. Habib, may Allah reward you. May Allah increase. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you guys. We'll, we'll leave it at that because of it's on camera. Inshallah. <laughs> 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 um, but right. that does bring the question now. After you moved over here to the Middle East, mm -hmm. what have you noticed specifically on a societal level compared to the West? I mean, there's different types of the Middle East, right? And I've lived in all of them. I've lived in the Levant. I've spent a lot of time in, in North Africa, um, a lot of time in the Gulf as well. To me, to try and put the Middle East as one doesn't really work. I view them as, as different places. Um, as far as societal changes with the West, I don't even view the West as, as, as a place that's functioning properly. So for me, to, to compare the two, it's like comparing oranges and apples, you know what I mean? So I'm not sure if I can really answer that question. I, um, I, I'm very grateful for, for Dubai. I'm very grateful for countries that, are, that have leadership that are guided by faith. I used to think back in the day, you know, I was in no way a Marxist or anything, heaven forbid, but I used to think the idea of mixing state and religion was a bad thing. But then I realized, hang on a second, you want politicians without any sort of accountability to God running the people? What are they going to do? They're going to look after themselves, right? They're going to do, even if it costs, you know, the people, they're going to do what look, looks after themselves. To me now, the most, or the, the best countries on earth in terms of leadership are from leaders who feel accountable to God. And I think the, the, the UAE is a fantastic example of that. This is technically, I believe, uh, you could call it a dictatorship, right? a patriarchal I'm not I'm not sure of the exact title but mm. I feel a lot more free here than I would in the west <laughs> wow. you know I can say what I want to say as long as you don't respect the leaders of course I mean they built this why would you disrespect them right. incredible achievement exactly. as long as you don't respect disrespect Islam and again why would you do that yeah. if you follow the rules here you are more free in this so-called you know dictatorship than you'd be in the west any day and again if we want to talk about freedom th these watches man we'll get we'll get a hammer in the head in london oh. for that how is that freedom? Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? in, in many places in the West, 
if you disagree with what your kids are being taught at school in terms of the agenda being pushed on them, you are the bad guy and the government can look into you. Yeah. There are certain countries and certain examples where fathers have been against their sons being going on puberty blockers mm. and the state has come in and said, no, how yeah. dare you do that? Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. How is that freedom? Yeah. Whereas and here you wouldn't you wouldn't confront you wouldn't be confronted with that sort of stuff. Absolutely. It, it's, yeah. I mean that issue of, of puberty blockers wouldn't be an issue to begin with. You know, <laughs> over there there have actually been some men who have been penalized or fined or thrown in jail for contesting. You know, to, to surgery to you but know their own children. Surgery. Yeah. For the how own is children. that freedom? <laughs> it's 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 an abomination. And the same thing with women, bro. Like in Western women, they claim they're liberal. They're they're liberated, not liberal. They're yeah. free. They're finally powerful and empowered. Right. How's that working out for you? <laughs> that, that's the question I'd ask to all these liberals. How's that working out for you? To the Vice guys, when we did this Vice documentary, because I spent a lot of time with them. I, it was my job to make sure that the Warham guys would actually talk to them. Because all these Warham guys are like, we don't trust Vice. You're talking about when, when they came and lived with the Tates? Uh, no, yeah, when they were at this event. Okay. Uh, and and okay. these Vice guys, especially the main guy, he's not a happy dude. He, he's not uh, a fulfilled guy. He, at certain points when he was around the brotherhood and he was being pushed and encouraged to train and fight and, and be masculine, you could see he was really about it. And he actually said off camera, I see what you guys are doing here. I see that it's valuable. Wow. He was starting to feel the energy of having brothers in a supportive community right. around you. But of course now Tate's bad and he's back to his liberal existence yeah, exactly. where, where they're pushing d different agendas, where Vice is pushing drug mm. use. I, I put it to anybody, if you want to see the worth of someone's belief system, just ask, how is that working out for him? How is that working out for you? All these leftists, to me, they do not look like happy, fulfilled people. They do not look like they have strong, supportive brothers around them. Like they have strong, loyal, caring women around them. It's, again, how is your belief system working out for you? Is the question I would love to have with any of these vice reporters or any of these people who are coming after Tate. How is your worldview working out for you, friend? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Show you us see, some show us some receipts. Show us some receipts. You see women here in the club walking around and it's such a direct, diametrically opposed worldview that we as Muslim men have. We have protective jealousy over our women, right? Mm -hmm. We're not out here sharing our wives and, and they don't need to be out there having, you know, social media and all this type of stuff. But they'll call us oppressive because of that. They'll say you're controlling, you're insecure. When, to me, I, f I think that that's what Western men do. They're insecure about speaking up, voicing how they feel, the way that Allah has designed us with these characteristics in our fitra. Mm. And they'll use shaming tactics, you know, like toxic masculinity, all this, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to just neuter you as a man. Mm -hmm. And also, this, this does bring me to the fact of polygyny too, because it's an innate predisposition in men, right? Not all men have it to the same extent. Mm -hmm. And I also don't want you talking about your personal life, but... Mm -hmm. Are you a proponent of the idea of polygyny? Mm -hmm. Obviously, Islamically, we know it's permissible, but mm -hmm. just do you, do you like the idea of polygyny? Do you support that? Or do you think that it's something that we need to be careful about? So I'd answer that by saying, show me a married man who is faithful to his woman and doesn't use pornography by himself in the bathroom on his iPad. Yeah? Uh, are you saying this for every man? Or are you saying for like Muslim men as well? No, no. I'm I'm saying in the, uh, okay. Men. Let's 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 clarify. In the West, show me a man who is married to a woman. And first of all, I like that line. I think it was a comedian who said it. Men are as faithful as their options. All these men in the West who have money, they all have mistresses. They all see prostitutes because they have options. They have a work wife. So then mm. you have yeah. Then you have a demographic of men who don't have the financial means to go and have sex with multiple women. So what do they do? 
They take their iPad into the bathroom at, at night and they consume pornography. Again, show me a man who really doesn't have any urge for multiple women or, or a variety of some sort sexually, you're going to have to check his testosterone levels. There's going to be something wrong. I'm not trying to be humorous. Any, any healthy testosterone level man is going to have an urge for multiple women. You can express that urge in a healthy way right. in the Islamic context where you are taking care of the women who you were intimate with. Because again, I'm strongly against this idea of hit it and quit it. If you have sex with a woman and then you essentially, you know, then kick her out of your life, you, you've, you've degraded her, I believe. It's not healthy for her. I don't think men having sex with lots of women impacts them in that way. But I personally believe that if a woman has sex with a lot of men, I think it's quite, it leads to unhappiness in them. I really believe that. Now, you can argue against that if you want, but that's, that's my human experience. That's what I've seen. So my answer is 100%, and another reason why I respect Islam is it aligns with biology. We know that men have these urges. Another example is golf. I played a lot of golf. And golf is not so much about what golf is, it's about what golf isn't. Golf is a space where there aren't women around. <laughs> and so what do men do? They complain about the fact that their sex life with their wives is not very interesting and they talk about their latest mistress. Or they talk about their latest you know, prostitute they're, they're frequenting. If you, if you really want to see whether men are happy with one woman, go and play golf with some guys <laughs> and hear the stories. Um, and again, how many men who are with one woman and have, you know, don't have an issue with their testosterone level, don't consume pornography. Why are they consuming pornography? Because again, they have that urge for multiple women. So again, I think Islam is very healthy in that, all right, so you have an urge for multiple women, put the effort in to be the sort of man who can take care of multiple women and multiple families. I believe if you're gonna, if you really wanna be a traditional man and you're gonna have multiple women, it's your duty to protect, to look after her parents, to provide for her parents. Her parents, and I don't know whether that's an Islamic thing or not, but if a woman you love, was raised by the parents and she is now coming into the traditional role where she won't be working, she'll just be serving you, then guess what? I think it's your duty to look after her parents, within reason, of course. Mm. So if you really, if you have that urge for multiple women, why not channel it into becoming so successful that you can then care, care for multiple families? Hence, doing it in a safe way. There's no disease risk. There's no, it's not just disease. When you have sex with women who you don't really care for, it's, it's unhealthy energetically. I swear, it's, it's not a healthy thing for your soul or your heart or however you want to conceptualize that. So use that urge for multiple women to become a man who has the means to look after multiple families. It's healthy for you. It's healthy for the woman. It's healthy for society because as we know, where have all the good men gone? <laughs> so I think it's a very positive thing. But I think, again, it's up to men to take that self-accountability to say, all right, if I've got a really strong urge for multiple women, I need to work. I need to make that money. I need to be that man who is able to not just financially care for, but emotionally care for multiple families, to guide, to lead. You want to be the patriarch? It's a lot of effort. So what I love about Islam is to say, all right, you have that urge. You want to sleep with multiple women? Guess what? You're going to have to take care of them. And guess what? You're going to have to do it equally. And it's going to take real work. I think it's ideal. And I think if we look at it in terms of a way to run society and to take men's urge for sexual variety and, and express it in a positive way, that we're using that urge to create a more positive society. Tell me it's not a good thing if you have men who are taking care of multiple families. How is that bad for society? So I'm, I'm, I'm strongly for it. But again, it's up to the man to build himself into a man who's able to do that. So we've been... My brother, my brother. So unfortunately, Rami has, uh, after the intermission, Rami was taking human growth hormone. And now this is the new and improved Rami uh, for the next bit, inshallah. But Wahab, bro, how you doing? I'm doing 
Give, give him the mic, bro, for like two seconds. Give him a hug? The mic, bro. Oh. <laughs> give him a hug as well. Give him a hug, too. There you go. The brotherhood is real. My brother, man. Mashallah, Alhamdulillah. So we want to introduce I Am The Warner, who is a YouTuber uh, by the name of Wahab. May Allah bless you, bro. He's been on YouTube for not even a hot minute, bro. It hasn't been that long. And immense success. He's doing a little bit of a kind of what we're doing, the dawah. But he does a little bit of a street dawah. Do you want to talk about your channel a little bit? Alhamdulillah. First and foremost, I just want to say I appreciate you guys. You know, um, it's been a great pleasure and a great honor knowing you guys. And it's been a great honor, you know, being a guest in your house as well. And being in your guys' presence as well. It's a great, great blessing. All praise to the Most High. And uh, regarding the channel, yes, uh, you know, my channel, I'm actually very, very proud of what it is that I'm doing. And Tate was actually a big inspiration, you know, of really me starting what I'm doing. You before know, teaching he was people. Or? Yeah, you know, yeah, before he was actually wow. even Muslim. You know, he was talking about something uh, one time I was just watching him. And he was talking about, you know, that nowadays we live and, you know, there is a pandemic going on. But it's not the pandemic that we think it is. It's a pandemic of cowards. Men have become weak, right? And because of that, it's destroying what's going on. It's destroying the whole system, right? And once I realized that, I had to ask myself a question as well. Am I one of those weak men? Am I one of those cowards that he's speaking about? So I had to be honest. I had to be real with myself. And I decided, you know, what? I'm going to stand up for the truth no matter what it takes. And... Obviously, we live in society now that's full of lies. So if we speak the truth in a society full of lies, there is going to be repercussions. But obviously, there's going to be great rewards as well. You know, so right now, I'm, what I'm doing is I'm just trying to make history, man. I'm trying to make history and I want to make a change in the world, extremely positive change in the world. And I want to do something that's outside of me. I want to do something that's not something selfish that's just for myself and for my family, but something that I could give to the world. And also to benefit not just me, but all the sons and daughters of Adam. I think it's very, very important that we all know we're all connected. We're all one. We're one body. We all come. We all have the same father. and We have the same mother, which is Adam and Eve. So once the sooner we realize that, the sooner the world will come united as one. And I want to be part of that. Inshallah. Inshallah. May Allah bless you for that. I mean, so I actually have a message for my brother Tate. I know you don't know me, but I know you. And I want to let you know, you made such a dramatic impact on my life in such a positive way. No matter what happens to you, I want to let you know that you have changed the world. You have truly changed the world. And you've changed my life. And I am so grateful for you. I am so grateful for you. And because you changed my life, now I'm going to pass that forward and I'm going to change the lives of others as well in an extremely positive way. And inshallah, we will see, see the fruits of this labor that Tate has been portraying to the world. And he's activating other people to do this as well. So may Allah bless Tate and bless him for eternity, inshallah. I just want to say, brother, when, when he's out, we're going to do this again. Inshallah. 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 Inshallah, but definitely. But inshallah. Definitely. Inshallah, but definitely. New merch coming out soon. I like that. I like that. I appreciate you. I feel it, man. I love this. Submin, coach. Amazing. All right. Grateful to have you here, brother. Really. Really. Genuinely. Okay, my brothers. So, Bismillah, continuing. So, the big fella went on a calorie restriction diet. 
Oh, no, no, the, 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 the toilet break was rather excessive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. But, like, the people that, that just, just saw Wahab, they're, they're probably like, where did Wahab come? Guys, he's Mr. Producer. He's been here yeah. all along, baby. You just he's have no been idea. Here, bro. He's yeah. been here. Take it away, Anha. Okay, okay. So, uh, beautiful response to what you said about the polygyny and all that mm -hmm. stuff. And uh, I do believe it's it's also very needed in today's day and age. Now, the point that I want to make is a different viewpoint is uh, not going for either or, but understanding that everything that we do as men, we need we have a very high level of accountability and responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we need to take full ownership for that. Mm -hmm. So if a man decides, I want my Khadija, and that was the the first wife of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he did not have any other wives when he was with her. Mm -hmm. So if a man decides, I want my Khadija, okay, number one, this woman damn well better be that Khadija, and he better be putting in the work. He better not be using that as an excuse just to be weak. Mm. You know, and then two, if a man wants to be uh, having multiple women, if he wants to have his Aisha, mm. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, then he needs to also be ready to take on the work necessary to provide not only for her, but the family, like you said, mm -hmm. and the multiple other women and their mm -hmm. family. Mm -hmm. So I think that's like the most important viewpoint that I kind of want to bring here. And I want to you know, hear your thoughts on it now, because you you were talking about polygyny and, and I know like it, it's very valid. It's very um on point i'm not negating it but now with like bringing in this new thing where it's like you know either or can be fine mm -hmm. as long as the men are taking full responsibility full ownership mm -hmm. and uh they understand that if they choose one woman they're still going to have that desire within them mm. but they can still uh direct it and exactly. channel it in different in a healthy ways, way yeah? in a productive way 100 yeah. so i i think the the first thing that i think i want to acknowledge is since when is the west the authority on on morals on on how to live the you know hmm. the idea that polygyny to be honest I'm not even familiar with that word in many different cultures and indeed throughout history men who are the patriarchs who are the tribal leaders or and we see it in many countries around the world is Islamic and otherwise the big men of the community will often look after multiple families because especially if we go back you know back to tribal days men would die all the time. They would leave families, someone would have mm. to take care of these families. The idea that the West can sit there and say, no, no, that's a bad thing. I'm sorry, you're arguing with the majority of the world, <laughs> you're, or at least you're arguing with the majority of history. And I don't, I don't personally think the West is a credible source of, of judging what is virtuous and what is not. Western society is a mess right now. So that would be my first comment to that. But what I'd say is, yeah, at the end of the day, and that's what I like about Islam, as a man, find out what fulfills you and, and go and manifest that. I, I'm not going to pretend I have in any authority to tell people how they should live their lives. I know what works for me, and, and I, I've put effort in to, to execute on that. And I think any man should should structure his life accordingly. One thing I reflect on a lot is building your, your custom-made reality. And if you're prepared to put in more work than just about everybody, <laughs> if you have the right brothers around you, if you don't let yourself give in to mindful uh, mindless pursuits like whether it's video games or hedonism or drugs or or meaningless sex and you just focus on building yourself as a man you can then create that custom-made reality and i think for a lot of successful men that does involve multiple women mm. islam gives you a healthy way to express that urge where else is that urge actually expressed healthily definitely not on tinder <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't help you as a man yeah. it damages a woman 
I mean, if you're if you're a masculine man and you are intimate with a woman on a deep level, I believe that in a way you two are connected for her, the rest of her life at least. And so I think it's mm. if if you're again if you're the ideal sort of masculine man, you got to be careful who you're intimate with because perhaps you'll you'll leave such an impression on her that she's not going to be fulfilled in future relationships. I think mm. men have a lot to answer for in terms of I think Jordan Peterson put it well. There's no such thing as sex without repercussions. The idea that sex can just be sex. I mean, look, on, on, a, on a shallow level, sure, STD risks or energetic risks or wasting time. But I think on a deeper level, especially if you're interacting with you know, a good woman who hasn't gone out and been on a boat in Miami or something, <laughs> you need to be careful as a man because if you are intimate with her on, you know, and you connect on a deep level but you don't plan to take care of her, I view that as irresponsible because perhaps you are ruining her ability to have fulfillment in future relationships because she'll always look back to that first sort of powerful intimate partner that she had. So, yeah, I, ho I hope I'm answering your question, but I, I think what it comes down to is men need to be accountable to the fact that sexual relations and intimacy have repercussions that can be negative for the women and for, the, and for society if you don't express your urges for, for sexual variety in a healthy way. And the only healthy way that I know of is the Islamic context where you are taking care of that woman and you take responsibility for her welfare and that of her family if you want to have that sexual variety. You take care of all the families involved. I got you. I like that. Mm. So you had mentioned the, the custom life. And we were talking about this before, how like mm. you created this for yourself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How does how does a man continue that? Like, mm. how, okay, look, so what I'm trying to ask is like, uh, any man can essentially start doing the things necessary mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. but then it's like at some point you might lose the drive or you might lose the focus you might get distracted because mm -hmm. we live in a world full of distractions mm -hmm. so what's the best Shaitan advice is everywhere. yeah yeah a hundred percent so what's the best advice from your own life from your own like experience mm -hmm. okay well i don't pretend to be someone who can i mean i'm, I'm new to to speaking publicly i can only speak to what works for me um there's a few key things. One is maintaining uh, that, that mindset of gratitude. Every day when I, when I pray in the masjid, I always am, am focused on the gratitude aspect. I mean, in a, in a time where we have you know, families, children stuck under rubble in Turkey and in Syria, how can you not be anything other than grateful if you're not stuck under rubble in Turkey or Syria? Like Keeping that perspective, I think, is very valuable. Yeah. And on those lines, how can you not be motivated if you're aware of how grateful you are? Here we are sitting in the best country in the world around brothers we respect, doing meaningful work. How can you not feel that fire to keep going? Yeah. So this idea of losing, losing motivation, brother, my challenge is getting to sleep at night because I've got too much motivation. Mm. <laughs> and so when you, when you, as a man, when you get to that level where you can turn your time into, into money, into meaningful learning, into meaningful impact in life, the one thing you don't have is enough time. And that's, so I think... Keeping motivation is not an issue as long as you stay grateful. You have brothers around you. Having that masculine accountability. Like if you guys start slipping and then shaitan's whispering in your ear, your brother's going to catch you and say, hey, man, mm. you spent a little too much time on that PlayStation. Don't you think you could use that energy in more, more meaningful ways? You know, mm. And that's, that's Tate's whole message there. So the gratitude piece, the masculine accountability through brotherhood. Um, but I also think when you get to the level where you're running multiple businesses, where you've got you know, hundreds of people working for you, you've got to prioritize health. Man, I've had some major health issues in my, in my life uh, with, with my back from, from army days to this day. It's a challenge. The one thing that I think a lot of men who are really on their hustle, they forget is health. 
Mm. I mean, nothing is is worthwhile without your health. And so I think that's one thing you need to, to keep that going. You've got to prioritize health. But also at a certain level, when money is easy, you, you're looking for purpose. You know, when you've got the money right, when you've got, you know, you, the, your brothers around you, when you've got meaningful work, you want to give back. And that's why you see a lot of wealthy people doing philanthropy. Uh, and, and so Tate, you know, obviously a lot more wealthy than me, but I, I'm, alhamdulillah, I, I, I'm financially in a good position. You're looking for ways to give back. That's not just, again, anyone can just donate money to a charity. You want to take that time, that effort, that expertise that you have and make a meaningful impact on society. And to me, when, you're ne when you've transitioned in the, I mean, men go in different levels. First, you want to get that money, right? Then you want to get that status, that accolades. I've got a master's degree, I've, I've got a BJJ, black belt, whatever. Then you get to that next level where, hang on, I've built all this, what can I do with it? How can I give it back? And I'll, I'll be completely honest, for me, the money piece is easy now. That, that's, so that's no longer a metric of success. Oh, more money? How, how, how is that? If you're past the point of worrying about money, how does more money mean anything? It doesn't. What you can do with that, the way you can give back, that's what keeps that motivation going. So I think the, yeah, the, the gratitude mindset, the, the brotherhood piece, the, the continual focus on health, because that can fall over, that can get in the way of you really you know, leaving your mark on the world, but then finding a meaningful way to give back, that's where you'll, you'll forever maintain that motivation. All right, so how does one actually find the brotherhood? Mm. So, I mean, look, I could give a plug for War Room because that helped me a lot. Yeah. So the Tate brand is a good filter of men. Most men, when they see Tate, oh, the car's going to be rented. Oh, those women, it's just <laughs> transactional. It's hard when you see someone like Tate because he's achieved so much. It shines a light on what you have or haven't achieved in your life. But for those few men who see what he's achieved and the way he's created that custom-made reality and think, you know what? I wouldn't mind being around that. There is his community of the war room where there's thousands of men who are driving each other, who any city in the world, you've got guys who are you know, pushing with their fitness, pushing with their finances, who are, have traditional values, who are respectful men, who are professionals in, in, in what they do. You can tap into that resource globally. So the, the war room is one way. I also find um, fight clubs to be a great place to find brotherhood. You know, if you, you, you fight with men, you, you build that, that brotherhood. Military, obviously, is a great way to find brotherhood, although you'll often pay for that with you know, your body. <laughs> a lot of people pay for that with their mind. I don't necessarily encourage uh, putting your life on the line for a government that doesn't care about you. Um, so I wouldn't say that. That's a way. But also, I think if you're, if you're a, a practicing Muslim and you're injecting yourself into the community by you know, doing what you can to support your masjid or support you know, local Islamic initiatives or, or charities, I think you will gravitate towards people doing similar things and you will find a, a brotherhood there as well. That'd be the different ways I'd find it. That, that brotherhood thing is so key. I often say, yeah. next to health, brotherhood is the most valuable form of wealth. Because with a, a relationship partner, a man can, can help encourage a woman to be the sort of woman he wants, right? You know, it's a partnership. But with a brother, you can't really, you can't really like, he's either about it or he's not. You, you know, one man can't really create his ideal brother in another man. That, that's a, you know, we might be crossing some lines there. Um, that's more about you know man-woman relationships. Finding men who you can really say, you know what, you're on the same frequency as me. You have the same values as me. You have the same drive as me. Let's let's spend a lot of time together and conquer together. That's a very valuable thing. And I know a lot of ultra and even ultra ultra high net worth individuals, a lot of money but no brotherhood. I would not swap my life for those. Mm. I know so many 
ultra high net worth individuals who don't have real brothers around them, who've got a lot of yes men around them, who've got a lot of people trying to take their resources. You guys who have an actual brotherhood of, of men around you who you respect, who you care about, you're on your you're on your grind together. That's that's a form of wealth which I view as a lot more important than money. It's a lot more meaningful. Yeah. Priceless. Really. Well, I hear. So speaking bro. about bro, go on, bro. I man, feel like I, you, you asked like seven bro, questions I, in a row. No, nah, <laughs> man. I just want to highlight go what he it. said. Bismillah. Because I feel like this people will hear this, right? I've heard this message. And it's like it's not until I'm like here right now with all of you brothers that I feel that that fire inside mm -hmm. of me. It's like I'm looking at you. I'm looking at what you're doing. I'm I'm literally asking myself like what the hell am I doing? Yeah. Like I'm over here making all these damn excuses to not go further, to not put in work, to just be where I'm at and just be like content and happy. And there's nothing wrong with being content and happy, but it's mm. like, it, it has to do with the environment. It has to do with mm. the brothers. 100%. And I want to highlight that because it's like, even though I'm seeing that message, even though we're all seeing that message, it's not till you're actually surrounded by it that like you can really like internalize it. And that's that's the thing when you internalize something, that's where the real change occurs. 100%. And on that, the concept of direct transmission, when you're around someone like the Tates who are on such a high frequency, we train, we, we work, like there's this constant idea of, of getting the most out of every day that has to pick up your energy. Like it's, I, I believe the social neuroscience talks about the, the concept of an emotional economy. You know, if you get on that subway in London and everyone's all oh, depressed, you're going to feel depressed, right? If you're around a bunch of fighters who are high testosterone and, and are in, in the ring doing their thing, you're going to feel more, oh, I've got to get in there more driven. We are, we are pack animals. We're affected by those who are around us. So being, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have been around the Tates so much because that has awoken that, that fire in me and the masculine accountability that I've put on me. Hey, man, you could do this more, you could do that more, and I do it to them. Everyone picks each other's up. Picks each other up. You all, as a group of men, become a higher frequency in terms of your your output, in terms of your your motivation. There's real power there, man. And I put it to you that if you're in any way, as any man out there, lacking or feeling they lack motivation, you need to spend more time around men you respect. That's the key. That's that's endless motivation because your brother's gonna say, "Hey, man." Well, you, you're good at Call of Duty. <laughs> Why not get a rifle and learn how to train in the real world? You know, you, you like you like watching boxing. Get in the ring yourself. You know, go through that trial and face your fears. It's yeah. I, I think masculine accountability and brotherhood. I know so many rich men who are in a household and a daily reality that is not fulfilling because they lack brothers, they lack physicality, they lack traditional dynamics in their relationship and their, their woman doesn't respect them and so the whole house is just constant arguments and, and negative banter is terrible. 100%. I would not swap my lives with the vast majority of very rich men out there because I have brotherhood. I have meaningful work. I have physicality of sorts. On a day-to-day -day basis, my reality is extremely fulfilling. I have built my <laughs> custom reality without hundreds of millions of dollars. You don't need that. Mm, yeah, yeah. Now, I, I, as someone who grew up poor, I was very driven to make money just so I didn't I wasn't worried about being hungry. <laughs> but mm. once you've done that, the forms of wealth that you chase are a lot more meaningful. And brotherhood this, is up there with the best of them. This reminds me of a hadith where the Prophet mentioned that good company is better than no company, but no mm. company is better than bad company. Oh, I like that. See, look at this, yeah, man. There's, there's so much to learn. I, it's amazing. So to a lot of the people that are wondering, what do I do? I don't have good company. Mm. Ask yourself this. If you're alone, it's still better than having no company or having bad company, isn't it? Mm. Um, but that does bring me to my actual question that, what are your thoughts of the Prophet 
because coming into it, maybe you had some preconceived notion, maybe you had mm-hmm. this narrative, mm-hmm. and now actually studying him, and, and even if you don't know him too well, but just what you've learned so far about him, masculinity, being mm-hmm. that leader mm-hmm. of the ummah, what do you think about that? Well, yeah, I think it's a great question. Thank you. And I think for those who are curious about Islam, uh, the life of the, of the Prophet, alayhi salat was salam, is that right? Yep. Okay, excellent. This <laughs> is a great end to really realize, hang on, this man was a leader. This man was a warrior. This man was a patriarch. This is a guy who, or a man who you, you can't help but respect the more you read about. His, his, his lived experience was so extreme by so many measures. He achieved so much. To me, it's, it's the ultimate masculine role model. And if, if we're looking to be that, if we're looking to be the man, why not study and try to emulate the man? So I think in terms of a masculine leader, I think people don't realize, those who you know, aren't familiar with Islam, don't realize how impressive a man he was as a, as a masculine leader who, if you, if you want to fanboy on anyone, <laughs> don't pick some Hollywood actor, don't pick some NBA player who throws a ball around, who cares? <laughs> Have a look at a real warrior, a real patriarch, who has real lived experience and insights that can actually benefit your life. I don't know why people go to these football games and cheer and wear a t-shirt with some other man's name on their back. <laughs> Who cares? How is that benefiting you in life? Take that energy, study uh, Prophet Muhammad, salam, and actually get some benefit from it on a personal level. So yeah, I think that's a great in into understanding Islam and why he is so respected. Allah Mubarak, man. Yeah. I think that the more you study his life too, you understand how wide and sparse it was in terms of all the examples that we have as human beings to have him as a role model because he's lived as a husband to one wife. He's lived as a husband to multiple wives. Mm. We have in terms of tactical combat, Mm. in terms of business, in terms of moral character, in terms of Allah, Mm. putting Allah first, in terms of how he gave money, who he helped, his emotional intelligence, his dominance, his character. There's, There's no doubt that he is the most learned about man in history, that we know more about him than we know about any other man mm. in history. Mm. And I think it's a blessing from Allah that he gave us the perfect example, the best of creation, and then also didn't just limit it to, oh, here's something we know about him or here's something else, but we know in detail, in descriptive detail, with authentic, verifiable sources time and time and again, in almost any realm of, of or avenue of life about mm. him. Mm-hmm. And we can take that and just replicate it. We can take that and use him as a role model. And I like that. And I think to your point, he wasn't, you know, it wasn't just about being a warrior or a leader conqueror. He was also highly empathetic, highly compassionate, highly socially intelligent. So yeah, when you look at that, that concept of that well-rounded masculinity, there are many different ways you can be a masculine man. If you want to emulate one masculine role model, show me a better example. So I think, it, and the fact that, what, 1400 years later, everyone's still like, whoa, this guy w- w- was, was the man. <laughs> <laughs> to me says a lot so yeah I, I if I didn't have so many people who work for me and if I didn't respect the people I work with so much I would retire from work and I would focus on studying Islam studying the Prophet Muhammad you know chess being you know maintaining fitness that would be enough for me there's so much to learn and the more I learn about it the more I get hungry to learn more I really feel I could devote many years of my life into into this field of study and it wouldn't be a chore in any, any way it's, there's real power here i think people don't realize that there's there's a reason why so many muslims all around the world say the same words at the same time facing in the same direction 
There's power there, man. It's not purely logically, purely even selfishly. Why not tap into that power if you want to be the best man that you can be? And if you want to get the most fulfilling uh, human experience for, from this life? I, think it's, I wish I had more time <laughs> to focus on my learning in this field. Oh, bless you. I, I even, it, it reminds me of all the old classical ancient scholars of Islam, you know, the best scholars of our time, 1400 years ago, 1300 years ago. A lot of them were asked on their deathbed, like, what do you regret doing? You know, these are people that dedicated like decades to learning Islam. And I'm talking 50, 60 years of full time, not like us, mm -hmm. half-assing it. And majority of them, they, they replied that, I wish I just started sooner. Mm. If only I had started a little bit sooner. If only I started even more years ago. And we're out here just, you know, foot on the gas barely for like, what, an hour a week, two hours a week, reading a hadith once a day, maybe even once a week, thinking it's enough, putting it on an Instagram story. But these were people that just wish... Oh, if only the 60, 70, 80 years of full-time dedication, if only I did more. Yeah, wow. And that's that's what I find so interesting is in that there is so much to learn. And there's it's it's more than a book. It's more than a series of prayers. It's a code to life that it's almost like a rabbit hole that doesn't have an end to it. <laughs> and I, yeah. I don't think my enthusiasm is, is passing. I, I really believe that I will stay motivated to continue to learn simply because... The more I learn, the more I go, whoa, I see the best parts of me in this. I see what I want to be as a man. I see what I think men should be and women should be and society should be wow. in this. How does that not motivate you to continue to look into it? And it's, it's again, I said this earlier. Time and time again over the last 15 years living in the Middle East, across all, all you know, areas of the Middle East, the men who I respected the most were the ones who really took their relationship with God seriously. Doesn't that just tell you that by following Islam sincerely, genuinely, putting in the effort, not just words, but actions, you will be a good man. You'll be a man who is worthy of respect from your fellow man. If that's not an, a worthwhile way to spend your time on this planet, then show me what is. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and linking like the last few topics together, like not just nowadays, is Islam such a beautiful, you know, transformative you know, pill, I guess, people can take and accept. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the, you know, the life of the Prophet, a great way to tell his success and, and to weigh his success is from what he left behind. Look at the men who came out of the society. This was a tribalistic society. You and you and me and you would not get along. You know, you would you'd have your tribe, he'd have his, his Bengali tribe, you'd have your Puerto Rican tribe, I'd have my Palestinian tribe, you know. I'd have my sunburned tribe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Allahu Akbar. Uh. We wouldn't get along. We'd be fighting each other like crazy. He brought this society, people who literally have been mm. at war for like a decade or more together yep. and they loved each other for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, indeed the believers are but brothers. You know, they took this seriously. And when he passed away, peace and blessing be upon him, what happened? Islam expanded up to the borders of China, basically all over Africa, and then nowadays all over the globe. From one man, peace and blessing be upon him, who lived 1400 years ago in Arabia. Yeah. That's how significantly he transformed these people. Murderers. You know, if people want to talk about warmongers, look at Khalid ibn Walid. Anhu. His war tactics are still being implemented today, you know. I don't know if you know about that as a military man, but if you study his war tactics, these things are still being implemented today. He's the only person who actually contributed to the Prophet, peace be upon him, getting injured because this was before he accepted Islam, this man Khalid. He flanked the Muslims in the army and the 
the Muslims would have won, but some of the people didn't listen to the instructions well, of the what prophet. What kind of terrain was this? Was this mountain or desert or where was this happening? This is in the desert, but there is mountainous okay. as well. Okay. So long, actually, let me explain it because I think you'd appreciate this. The prophet, peace be upon him, he had uh, younger men who were archers. He put them on a, on a, on a hill or a mountaintop. It was he sees that high ground. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He's like, whether you see us winning and collecting the war booty or you see us dying and getting slain, do not leave this mountaintop, right? That's what he in instructed them to do. The enemies came, they started fighting, the enemies started to flank and leave. The Muslims were winning. Mm -hmm. The people, the archers on the top, didn't listen to the Prophet. They came down with the Muslims. So they lost the high ground, the advantage, and their whole back was open to a flank now because they didn't have that high ground advantage. Another another uh, group from the opposing army came around and flanked them from the back, so they got pincered. Mm. Basically, in between two mountains, they got pincered. Interesting. Yeah, the Prophet he got injured in that. People actually thought the Prophet died at that, that, that battle. That, those were the rumors going around. You know, the uncle of the Prophet died in that battle. Many great Sahabi or Sahaba died in that battle. And this man, Khalid, radiallahu anhu, he was uh, the arbitrator of that. He later accepted Islam. You know, mm. this, this murderer of Muslims at one point. And the Prophet you know, he asked the Prophet, you know, can you ask Allah to forgive me? Can you ask God to forgive me? He's like, don't you know that Islam forgives all sins? Mm. You know, just like that. He switched, he started fighting for the Muslims. Interesting. SubhanAllah. It is, it's when you talk about that, especially, I, I appreciate the, the anecdote there. But the fact that one man's actions could civilize warring groups, mm. that's pretty wild. That, that's, and back then, we were pretty animalistic. One could argue human nature still is to this day. Yeah. And, and I'd like to tie into that with the brotherhood that I've experienced having reverted to Islam is real. I had one guy who, I mean, I can't contact him, unfortunately, he was on Twitter. He, he said, hey, I just want to, from Saudi, I want to send you a thank you. Um, and he sent me these beautiful books and, and all these beautiful like you know things from Saudi. I've had guys in the in the mosque who I don't know say, "Hey man, I noticed you're praying. Can I recommend this?" Like strangers coming up with real brotherhood. Yeah. Like it's not a joke. The brotherhood in Islam is no joke. But I think it's like many things in life. What you put into it, you get out of it. You know. Mm. So it's Absolutely. yeah. It's I think anyone living without Islam is is missing out on a serious. Um, would you call it a competitive advantage in terms of being the best human that you can be mm -hmm. or uh, having Absolutely. the best lived experience you Definitely. can have? Yeah. It's, 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 such a, it's such a boost. I, I, I already live a pretty fulfilling life. I'm not going to lie. I have created my own custom-made reality. But this on top of it is just a whole other level of, of, of experience for me to be grateful for. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. And the Prophet had emotional intelligence, EQ, in a whole other level. That's we interesting. Can you tell that. me more about that? Yeah, so like... See, the story about Khalid bin Walid, right? Before he converted, Khalid bin Walid basically had this pretext that I will never be forgiven. I'm not good enough to be a Muslim. And then when they came to him and asked, you know, like Khalid bin Walid, you know, he thinks he can't. He's like, I believe Khalid bin Walid is too smart. He's too, he's too, what, what was it, Rami? Yeah, the Prophet Sallam, he was basically like, you know, how has he not accepted Islam? He's too smart to not realize this. He's too truth. smart. Like, he always saw the good in people. Mm. This was a man that was so fearless, but when it came to his wives and kids, for example, Aisha radiallahu anh, one of his wives, when she would drink from a cup and he would drink from the same cup, he would lift up the cup and then he would rotate the cup t to drink exactly from where she drank. Subtle things like that just to show that he cares. Mm. Or when she was basically on her menzies, right? Mm -hmm. She would basically, you know, be with him in bed and then she would leave to basically go to the washroom and then he would mention, because girls feel, you know, a little insecure and a little bit like sensitive on their on their menzies and he would tell her, Sallallahu when you come back, make sure you come back and, and, and lay with me even closer. Mm. Things like that, there subtle was, things like that. There was this one time where the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he went to this funeral, this woman, uh, I think it was her husband, her husband or, or she was a mother. Okay, she was a mother. Just like a lot of it. 
uh, her son had died. Mm. And he went to basically, like, give his condolences and, you know, like, give her some... I'm not, I was about to say passion. Nah, he's not giving her passion, but condolences, right? Mm. So he goes over to her, and then she's upset, and she's yelling, and she's cursing the Prophet Muhammad wasallam. I believe she didn't know he was the Prophet She though. had no idea. She mm. just thought it was just anyone. She, she just thought it was some random guy. So she's over here cursing him that, like, her son's death is because of him and all mm. this stuff. And anyone in their right mind would have been like, do you know who you're talking to? Mm. But he stayed calm. And then after she was done and she got everything out, he gave his nasiha, which is advice. Mm-hmm. And then he just said his salams and left. Didn't even say that he was the Prophet Muhammad wasallam. He walked away and then one of the sahaba came up to him and was like, do you know who you were talking to? Mm. And then she found out that that was the Prophet Muhammad wasallam. And because she saw his character. There's another story when he was giving a khutbah, like a lecture in like Jummah or like a, some salah. And, you know, during the sermon, he felt like someone, you know, tugging at his back very aggressively. And this is like the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum, the companions of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Mm. They don't take that stuff lightly. They don't take mm. anyone disrespecting him. Mm. So they're like getting heated and the guy keeps tugging it. The Prophet doesn't even react. He turns his head very slowly, looks at the man, and he very calmly responds, how can I help you? And the man is, he had a smile. <laughs> and the man uh, asked, uh, responds to the Prophet very heated, saying, you know, this, this place where we live, this part of town, it's like, this is what's going on and these are the prob- problems, like, are you not going to do anything? Mm. And without hesitation, he said, Okay, let's go. Let's see what let's see what needs to be done. Mm. Okay, so very compassionate in a sense. Yeah, that's where we can Amazing. go on like all night. We can go on. There's so much to learn. There's it so really much to is. Learn. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. It really is wild. And it just goes to show that the, the what makes a real man is this balanced, rounded masculinity, mm. this positive masculinity. Mm. We have a lot of movements today, like you know, you got red pill and pick up and all this. And I think there's there's truth in all of these movements, right? Mm-hmm. But we need to understand where these movements come from. Do they come from divine revelation and perfect laws? Or do they come from, a lot of the time, frustrated reactionary movements? Yeah, it's right? a nice way to put it. Frustrated reactionary movements. That's exactly it. This makes me want to ask you, what are your thoughts on Red Pill? Uh, look, Red Pill helped me a lot um, get out of a very unhealthy marriage. Right. I, I realized from reading Rollo Tomasi's book, The Rational Male, that I was effectively being exploited. Yeah. Uh, and that I had every right uh, as a man to say, hang on, I deserve better than this. I deserve a partner who actually cares about my health, cares about my well-being, uh, and isn't just you know essentially using me for resources and security. So I think Red Pill definitely has its its place. And I mean, I'm in touch with Rollo. I've said to him, hey, man, your book changed my life. Thank you for that. Of course. But I, I think Red, Red Pill will help you understand what's wrong, but it won't give you a, an, a, an answer as to how to fix it. Does that make sense? Hundred percent, hundred percent. And and for me, I think anyone who puts a lot of energy into the red pill, put energy into making yourself a more capable man instead. Put energy into into. I mean, yes, be aware of how relationships, especially in the modern day and age, can become negative, and and be aware of you know toxic people. But it's not just women, toxic men. Be aware of toxic people, you know, uh, and, and be very conscious of how you set up a relationship and and being clear about what you expect from her and you know, clear, clear about understanding what she expects from you and so on. Um, but I think at the end of the day, if, if you go with the traditional values and, and you find a woman who also wants traditional values and you're, you're really focusing on being the best man that you can be and, and, and being that patriarch who provides and, and protects and, and not just financially, at a certain point, the finances thing isn't, isn't the issue. Giving time 
to the, to the woman you care about, giving that real, Quality I feel time. something's not yeah. right in you, let's talk about it. Mm. No, no, everything's fine. No, really, I can feel something, what's up? And then poof, oh, you, you find out there's stuff that's been sitting there for a week. Being that man who really cares about his woman, if, if, you, if you have, if you're on your grind, if you're on your mission, if you're mission focused with the right men around you, and you've found a woman who wants what you want from a relationship, I don't think all that red pill stuff is necessary. I think red pill is very useful if you're in a Western relationship as a man and you feel inside, hang on, I'm giving all of this, yet I don't get anything back. Sure, get across the red pill, make changes, enjoy that divorce process. It's a mess. It's not fun for anybody. But then go and create a more healthy relationship. So yeah, red pill, definitely useful for men to realize they're being exploited by, by a system or by an individual or by a toxic person as as unfortunately a lot of people are nowadays. There's a lot of narcissism. There's a lot of users, a lot of takers, not givers. Um, but from, I don't think it has any any benefit or application for creating that positive alternative. And and I think traditional values is the way I think religion in in, in terms of the Islamic approach. If you if you want that multiple uh, woman scenario, is the way to find the positive answers to, to go about and create that. Yeah. That positive relationship. I think red pill is pretty negative overall, which it needs yeah. to be. You're studying mm. what's gone wrong, but it doesn't give you that way to fix it. Yeah, it's a great way to put it. And you know, I think the problem is it, red pill has become prescriptive. You know, this whole like pickup culture and like basically let your wife give your wife the impression you don't care about her because you let her do whatever. All these you know horrible, very un-Islamic things, by the way. Mm. Um, you know, these concepts are actually being pushed nowadays by, by Red Pill. And that's why, you know, it's developed this kind of Black Pill and MGTOW and all these things that are a little more incel-like because it's just, some of them are just pure hatred towards women. We want nothing to do with them. Islam has nothing like that, bro. Mm -hmm. In Islam, the first of one of the things he was saying, he said before he passed away, peace and blessing be upon him, was take care of your women, take care of your women, take care of your women. That was something that he was big on, mm. you know? And you, you saw how he took, took care of his wives and you also saw how he, you know, kind of disciplined them in a way. There was a time where all, all of his wives were kind of giving him a difficult time. And he, he took 27 days or so away from all of them. Mm. But at the same time, Islam gives rights to them that you're not allowed to neglect them. You're not allowed to basically go more than three months without being with them, you know, mm. intimately and that stuff. These things are there to protect both the man and the woman. I like it. And a, like lot it. Of, a lot of that is completely missing from the West. And that, again, I'd ask the question for those who are following the red pill or, or whatever, how's that working out for you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, seriously, that's the ultimate challenge. Mm. Again, to the wokeism, yeah. the religion, the, fo the followers of the religion of wokeism, how's that mm. working out for you? Uh, are you fulfilled? Are you happy? And, and I laugh when I hear some of this red pill stuff. Yeah. She's not yours. It's, it's just, just your, your turn. turn. Oh, man. Haram. Haram. I'm sorry. If you were a good man and you were taking care of a good woman, she would never dream of going on to another man. And I can say that with full authority and lived experience. So it's. I, I think the... The people who are really believing that red pill, if the red pill is their religion, they're also missing out on the best version of their mm. themselves and the best path in terms of a lived experience. And Islam gives them guidance and answers there. Oh, so what would you say to the person that's like, okay, I hear you, but where do I start? You know, what about Islam is, you know... Okay, well, well, I'd say first of all, to the Mingtao guys, if you need to take time out of dating and focus on getting your, your money right, your fitness right, you know, your brotherhood right, excellent. I think I wouldn't even call it MGTOW. I'd call it focusing on yourself as a man and building your capabilities. That's a very positive thing. So I'm all for that. But I'd say 
a man is happiest when he has a loyal, giving, caring partner next to him. Yeah. Because brother, the one thing brothers can't give you is feminine healing energy. Yeah. And also women encourage you to, to enjoy life. Like women are much more aesthetic. Yeah. You can tell if a house is a man's own, only house <laughs> or if there's a woman there. It's, just, it's a more beautiful environment if there's a woman there. Walking along a street, you know, a man won't notice the sunset or the beautiful trees. A woman will say, hey, baby, look at this. And then you experience more of the beauty of life with a, with a good woman next yeah, to you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question there, brother, but that's that would be my answer to the MGTOW yeah. guys. Yeah, that, that's beautifully said. I mean, even in my experience, like I, I, alhamdulillah, you know, actually renovated a big part of my house for my wife. Mm -hmm. uh, I literally, like I put up walls, I put up doors. But man, when she decorated that thing, it was a whole other universe. Yeah, and, and there's an energy behind that. When a yeah. woman has made a house into a home, mm. it gives you that sense of, you know, I'm out in the world doing combat, dealing with, you know, business, <laughs> yeah. people trying to shark me, whatever. Or in my line of work, actual combat. You come home to a place that has that feminine energy, that peace, that beauty. I wouldn't buy art and put it on the wall. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas when you have a woman who, who has an eye for these things, it your home becomes your sanctuary. And that's... That the, the concept of the female healing you, I really do believe that, and I've read up on this, the, the, back in the day, the, the sort of optimal thing was tribes of about 150 people, as per a sociologist of some sort or historian. And the men would go out and they'd hunt, you know, they'd, they'd, they'd fight, they'd do what men do. Then they'd come back to the camp and be around the women. And, and that's when they'd be in the feminine frame. Uh, you know, testosterone levels would lower, you'd be less tense, you'd get some meat back on from eating properly, you'd have intimate relations, you'd feel calm, relaxed. Then you'd go back out with your men again, back out, you know, beyond the wire, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and if we bring that to today's sort of context, a house where you don't have a woman giving you that, okay, you can relax now, this is a safe environment, yeah. there's no combat here, we're here to make you feel better, to lift you up. I think you're really missing out on 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 a gift from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, which is a, a good giving woman adds so much to life. It really does. Yeah. Well, let, me, let me say one more thing. It's it, it's amazing because it's not just good for you. It's not just good for the man. It's good for the kids. You know, yeah, now the kids have a good, strong, masculine dad and a loving, compassionate, empathetic mother. Literally, that's the key to success for a kid. 100%. And if you if you see how important it is for a for a kid to have a good, strong man and a loving, compassionate mother, mm. bro, it it, it, it sometimes makes me want to cry, bro. Subhanallah. Mm. How many kids who nowadays, you know, they're depressed, they're sad, they're upset, they don't know what they want to do in life, and they don't have father figures, you know, mm. or their their mother abandoned them, or their mother neglected them, or the mother always put what she wanted, what she believed onto them growing mm. up, and did not care about them at all. It's a very depressing thing. Exactly. Is, and, and and that's what you see with narcissism. Yeah. The more narcissistic a person is, the less empathetic they're going to be, the less empathy they'll show towards their child's learning and needs. And that's why I think I'm genuinely scared for future generations. And mm. why parent? Parenting's hard, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, have you guys got kids? Not yet. Okay, yeah. soon, inshallah. Soon, soon, inshallah. But don't rush because it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, definitely. If you can just give a kid an iPad and they're done, if you're a narcissistic person who'd rather get dopamine hits from social media, that's what you're going to do. So I think the quality of parenting is going downhill all around the world. And you see that more and more with these liberals, these progressive types, these, these women who have to be back in the office six weeks after giving birth. I think that's horrible. Why would, why would you be pulled away from something you'd birthed, an extension of yourself as a woman, your child, so you can go back and what? Help 
raise the share price for a multinational that doesn't care about you? I think it's a very unnatural way of living. I, I think it's really sad. And two, yeah, two ways I wanted to tie, you know, sum up the red pill thing, you know, even though that's like in the past now, but I've never seen a movement so obsessed with getting women to think that they don't care about them, but they're spending extraordinary amounts of time focused on women. On women. <laughs> it's true. It's like the whole <laughs> don't text her back, act like you're busy, but then you're out here just laying in bed thinking about what she's doing and all this nonsense. Is she with another guy? She like, bro, this this stuff is so foolish. This is number one. And then number two, the thing with red pill is at the end of the day, it just leads you to a place where you are headed to nihilism with mm -hmm. women. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because the things that these people on Reddit and, and red pill and MGTOW that they're obsessed with is just why are women like this? Why are women like that? Female nature. It's not, it's not your girl, like you said. It's just your turn. And then over time, you begin to resent women. You mm -hmm. don't actually understand women. You don't actually care about women. And red pill game will only work on damaged women. True. It will only work on low-quality women that you shouldn't even want in your life to begin exactly, with. Exactly, exactly. So you're only, basically, you're limiting yourself to attracting only low-quality women that work for this red pill game that's trash, that's degenerate. And all the good-quality Muslims that are out there, you're pushing them to the side, almost like you don't want them. And I, I think, adding on to that, I think any kind of pickup artistry or any game or any of that stuff, I don't think it works on quality women. I don't think it works. Or if it does, it won't last. Okay, so you know how to trick a woman into getting her clothes off. You're not a man who can take care of her emotionally, physically, you know, in terms of provisioning. All this, all these men who want to get high-quality relationships and, and they channel that urge into game, that's only going to work with... with low-class women who are looking for some sort of transactional strange if you want a quality relationship with a woman become a quality man it's so mm. simple my, my advice to any young man would be until you've got your money right and your fitness right and your career right and your your perspective on life dialed in why are you even bothering with women take that urge to spread your seed everywhere and put it into your hustle put it into your fitness because you know, it's I mean, did Freud say, I, I might be misquoting here, but any meaningful action is, is a result of taking sexual, sexual energy, energy and, yeah. and transmitting it or channeling it onto non-sexual things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I could be conflating him with another, uh, another you know, famous psychologist or commentator of some sort. But at the end of the day, yes, the, the fury inside a young man to, to, to have sexual relations, it's strong, it's fierce. Take that to building yourself into the, the best man you can be. And anyone who's born in the West especially, you have every option, every every opportunity to become wealthy early. You know, mm. I mean, by early I mean in your 30s. Like it's it's hard to build real wealth before you sort of mid-30s I've found. Mm. You know, generally speaking, it's, it's 35 onwards when you really hit your stride. That's just what I've noticed unless you're in tech or software or NFT something, which none of which I understand. But yeah, I, I really don't know why so many men are so fixated on physical pleasure and game and all this nonsense if you want a quality woman or multiple quality women you got work to do son <laughs> channel that energy into building who you are not to spraying your seed into random women who you don't even care about it's, mm. it's so clear. going back to what you said because now you're talking about the this like fire within that every you know young man has mm. so you gave the example of back then where we would be going to war we'd be going doing these things where it's like we'd be around men be around brothers mm -hmm. so we would we would just have that testosterone raging mm -hmm. we would come back and then our woman it would bring that feminine energy that feminine that essence, healing calm, healing, energy, calm yeah. right so let's say you're married mm -hmm. you live in the same household with the woman 
obviously. So how would you go about working at home if you had to work at home? It's a tricky one. It really is a tricky mm -hmm. one because I, I mean, without getting too metaphysical, I really do believe men and women have different energetic frequencies. And I think if you want to live in that masculine frame and be geared for conquest, for maximum output, for maximum learning, you know, business gains, everything, I don't think you want to be around women all the time. I mean, for me as a man, am I going to get up and train and work and hustle or am I going to sleep in with a beautiful woman next to me who, you know, I can share all sorts of lovely emotions. It's a tricky one, right? So mm. what I'd say is I think you, of course, you can live. I mean, ideally you live with your brothers and you're like Andrew and Tristan. And they're <laughs> always on their grind, sure. But I understand that's not realistic for most people. Then I think you just need to be aware of the temptation of, oh, it's warm here and it's comfortable. Why would I get up at X amount, you know, five in the morning for fajr or whatever? And you just have to hold yourself to account. Yes, I'm living around a woman. Yes, there's potential for me to slip into the feminine frame. Netflix, lots of sex. <laughs> it's, and also, when you're in a relationship with a woman who truly cares about you, you cannot satiate her in, with intimacy. She will always take more of your attention and more of your intimacy. <laughs> there's no stop to it. No so you need to be aware of the fact that while that feels good, as a man, I need to be focused on the masculine frame, which is conquest, which is output, which is building businesses, which is giving back to communities, not just, oh, it feels nice and warm in bed here. You know? yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's watch Netflix and, 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 and just feel comfortable. I think a woman's role is to make you not just work all the time. And I know I've been in positions before where I've just worked constantly and it's impacted my health. So you need that woman to bring you down, but at the same time, you need to hold yourself to account that you don't let her calm you too much so that it gets in the way of your output for example i'd say if you have a for example like the way i do a, a games room slash office slash study that's a man's room and women don't come in there that's where you do work when you've done with your work then you can go into the sofa and relax or you know do whatever you do sit in the backyard with, with, with your woman but i think it's if you want to maintain that masculine frame ideally you live with other men if that's not realistic then you have your workspace which is purely a masculine area for you to focus on that masculine frame, on that output, on that hustle. That's how I'd manage that. Yeah. Probably like working outside of home, yeah? Mm -hmm. like, I mean, I think that helps too, but are, are offices nowadays a masculine frame environment? I don't know. It's, it's, mm. I think if you really are a young, if you're a young man and you really want to build something, live with the men you work with and just train and work and grind and, and, don't give in to temptation. Of course, don't do drugs. I view video games as a form of drug. You know, avoid all of that. Don't don't chase women more than like one day a week or something, you know, and just really focus on that masculine frame and, and being output-based. Yeah. I, I don't need well, to. I've had three cans of Red Bull, man. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> you need to call it, you call it. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Go on. I think, I think another important aspect is understanding someone's obligations. Like a man, this is why Islam is so beautiful. Because mm. we have obligations. We're not allowed to sit around and be losers, right? Mm. The Prophet, peace be upon him, he said, it's a beautiful hadith. He said, the strong believer is better and more loved by Allah than the weak believer. I like but, that. But there's good in everyone. So we should lift then, basically. Exactly. We should of course, fight. of course. Yeah. And it's not just, that's the thing, it's not just physical strength, right? Yeah, yeah. It's mental strength, it's emotional Everything. strength, it's spiritual yeah. strength, it's, it's financial strength, it's, you know, strength in, what? Exactly. Courage. Yeah, mm. you know, Mr. being producer, courageous, thank being you, brave, like the Prophet It's any kind of strength. Amazing. And, and the hadith goes on. He tells us how to get strong as well. He says, hold on tightly to that which benefits you. You know, mm -hmm. could be the gym, could be brothers, could be your work, could be whatever. And don't become, you know, hopeless, heartless. And that begs the question: How would somebody become hopeless? He said, if something, you know, it comes to you in the form of difficulty, don't say, "Man, I should have went here instead. I should have done that instead. I should have invested here instead." Rather, say, "Qadr Allah." This is the decree of Allah, Allah, and Allah yeah. does as He wills. Mm -hmm. You know, this mentality 
is 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 the formula for success in life and as a muslim in this world mm. and again tying it to what i was saying before understanding your obligations to get better as a man to grow i think is what what will save people from this this comfortable lifestyle one one last thing i want to say my teacher gave a lecture on this maybe a year or two ago but it stuck with me because it's so powerful we look at any place where comfort is mentioned in in the quran and the hadith you'll find it's linked to, to hellfire eventually. Interesting. And Isn't look, that interesting? Yeah, and, wow. and look, look at where discomfort is mentioned, mm. right? In any way, shape, or form, and look at how it's linked to paradise and heaven. There's a prophet, the, the hadith of the Prophet the last thing I'll say, inshallah, where he said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he has veiled um, heaven with difficulty, and he's veiled jahannam, hellfire, mm. with pleasures and comfort. There it is, there it is. And, and, and the modern day sort of psychological interpretation of that, something written... 1400 years ago is mm. men need struggle to grow yes. we need that and also where do we bond where do you bond most with men in struggle uh, we, we talk about especially with the the great wars world war one world war two there there was a world war one veteran who was saying men nowadays don't understand we loved the man next to us in the trench we would die for him and he would die for us it was real love more than the love you would experience with a woman and of course, it was a non-sexual thing, but he was saying the bond that they formed in that struggle, in the worst periods of humanity, that trench warfare, you know, living in, in, the, in the mud and dirt for, for months, surviving off bread and cheese, you know, with artillery barrage coming in, that suffering leads to that, that, that bonding between men. And one of the things I love about fight sports and the reason why my son is a pretty committed boxer and does his BJJ as well is that's a healthy way to expose a man to struggle and to risk and hence to, for him to grow as a man. What a fantastic system in life or for life Islam is where it says, hey, guess what? You need to get up five times a day and do something that is not attached to dunya and that reminds you of you know, the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which reminds you to be grateful for what you have, that you need to be strong to provide for your family. You need to be disciplined. It's Man, the more I hear about it, and even this has been very motivational, the more I want to learn. So thank you guys. It's amazing. Allah. And it also ties back into what we're saying with Tate. We can come full circle now. A lot of people concerned about him, but guess what? This is his struggle. And he'll come out stronger. Mm -hmm. uh, both of them will. They'll mm -hmm. come out more more united as brothers, more focused on, on what's real in life, more in touch with their faith, more more influential with which to set to, to project their positive message around the world which I believe also will bring a lot of people to Islam inshallah, inshallah. I wanted I wanted Ram, bro. I wanted you to share one more hadith before we go on when I believe it was Jibreel -Islam, Gabriel Archangel Gabriel he saw what Jannah was covered with and he saw hellfire and what that was covered around do you want to say that I just I can but I just don't remember the end of it okay okay yeah so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he created you know heaven and hell and he created the angel Jibreel Gabriel peace and blessings be upon him and he told the angel to go look at heaven, right? And this is when it was first created. Nothing, it wasn't veiled with anything. It was just Jannah itself. So he went and he's like, I think everyone's going to want to go here. Because he knew that this is a place where people are supposed yep. to reside. He's like, I, mm -hmm. I know people are going to want to be here. Everyone's going to enter this place. All right, who wouldn't? Then he saw, you know, hell. And he's like, everyone's going to stay away from that place. Who, who in the right mind would want to go there? Mm -hmm. And then Allah, like I mentioned, he veiled hell with, with comfort and ease. And mm -hmm. he veiled heaven with difficulty and hardship. So the angel, he was like, I, now I think everyone's going to fall into hell because they're mm. going to go down this rabbit hole mm -hmm. of comfort, 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 and they're going to fall into hell. Yep. You look at what heaven's veiled with. It's the most difficult, the most treacherous, the most hard things in life to get there. Mm. And then you look at what, what the, the glamour and the glimpse of like Jahannam, mm. you know, 
pleasures, drugs, sex, everything that not you know haram sex. Obviously, you guys know what I'm talking about. We have no, we're not shy about intimacy in Islam, mm. but you know, instant gratification, cheap thrills, mm. and he's fearing like I fear everyone will go to Jahannam mm. just based on just look at this. Who would who would who would reject this willingly, mm. knowing yeah. that we have nafs temptation? It's super interesting. And again, all of this is written so long ago, yeah. yet it's still so relevant. But to it's so today. clear. Incredible. Right? And I feel like this mindset that life is a test and everything is just a test, that's such an underrated formula to success in life. Mm. Because if we really live every single day, wake up in the morning, and anything that happens, any calamity, this is just a test from Allah. Yeah. Any temptation, this is just a te- te- yeah. uh, test from Allah. Talk about, I mean, all these mindset coaches out there trying to give you the right mindset for life. What is that? <laughs> all these people trying to give you mantras to read about. What, what is Salah? You, they're positive mantras with which to self-program your mind to be the optimal version of yourself. Correct. There's so much power here. So much power. So, absolutely, subhanAllah. And um, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. I was going to say something, man. Slip my mind. It's getting too late for me. But um, You need more Red Bull, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I need my first one. I've never done drugs, but ooh, I do <laughs> like Red Bull. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. But yeah, I, I went on this kind of... Um, journey asking a lot of different people what their goal in life is mm. every single young man under the sun make money and and blah 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 mm-hmm. and i when you dig deep you know why do you want to make money it's always i want to be free i want to be financially free i want to be free and i asked them do you think that this is something that you have decided for yourself and they're like yeah you know they're my goals i'm like but that's not true you live in a capitalistic society mm-hmm. where it's a rat race. You are pushed into this society where your your objective is you're told your objective is to make money. You have mm-hmm. to make money to live, mm-hmm. right? Everyone around you is making money, and if you don't, you're seen as lesser. You live in a liberal society where you need to go after your personal pleasures. You need mm-hmm. to go after your your hedonistic val, uh, valuables and all that stuff. You didn't decide it. Society decided it for you and tricked you into thinking it's your own idea. That's why Islam is so liberating. People accept it. You mm-hmm. have to actually say Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh. You testify. That's how you accept Islam. Mm-hmm. You believe it, and then you testify, and mm-hmm. then you adopt it into your life. Exactly, and it's such a relief every time that I pray. I am reminded again the expression Allahu Akbar. As I understand it, most people think it means God is great, but literally God is like the biggest, the yeah. largest. If God is the biggest, the largest, what are your problems? They're nothing. And so, if we want to talk about you know, mindset hack to release stress. Remind yourself five times a day that God is the greatest and your problems don't mean anything. And and Qadr Allah and all these things. It's it's such a powerful frame with which to be content and the most optimal version of yourself. It really is huge. I have a question, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys are yawning and stuff. I'll, I'm on like three hours sleep a night. I've been working all day. I'll work when you guys go... Where's the energy, lads? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I no, mean, it's, it's a very good question. But no, having, I, I mean, that, the jet lag. Of course, we can blame yeah. the jet lag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. Of course. But the, one, the one thing I will say as well is, as a man, you can build your muscle that is your stamina with which to focus on work. I can work 20 hours a day for months on end if I need to. Now, my body will give out. I even know where, where things start to go wrong with my body. Mm. But as a man, as I learned from the Tates, you can build your ability to bring laser-like focus on a task for 20 hours a day. And, oh. and you really can. And oh. once you're there, I think the brotherhood thing, the, 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 once you've got that fire, once you're on that frequency of endless work, mm. endless work, every hour I'm doing something meaningful, every hour I'm taking my expertise and making money or benefiting my people or my causes, you can't help but have that motivation. Mm. So I, I put it to you that 
there is a there is a frequency you can live as a human where being tired or unfocused is not a thing. It's not a thing. No matter how tired I am, I'm still laser focused on that task. I put it to you guys that you can continue to build that muscle and to push each other to work Inshallah. more, to put Inshallah. more time Inshallah. in. It's it's a real thing, and that's, that's our, one of the things I learned from the Tates. We got to put our foot on the gas for the podcast. Inshallah. You're right for on that. Sure, guys. Because yeah. we, we were literally talking about this, uh, you know, with uh, Wahab in the car that mm-hmm. we're not we're not doing as much as we could be. And I know Alhamdulillah, we're still doing a lot, mm-hmm. and we we have a good intention, Alhamdulillah. Mm-hmm. But that's something we really want to work on for this mm-hmm. coming year. And onward, inshallah, that we need to put our foot on the gas even more. 100%. And this platform is great. And if, if at any point you guys need some sort of backing, I'd love to discuss that. What you're doing is very meaningful and is very genuine. You're doing it from the right place. Smash it. Get global. Sure. Again, if you, if you guys need some funding, let's chat. Like it's, this is important and you need to keep doing it. You really sure. do. It's, why not? No, literally, bro. Listen, may Allah bless you. Yeah. Oh, appreciate yeah, it. Means a lot. Oh, we were in the core. This morning, brother Wahab, bro, I see you. Yeah. We were in the car, and he he was bringing up this uh this this whole thing about us and what we're doing, and he highlighted like why are you guys just like half-assing it? Mm-hmm. Like, why why are you not waking up angry that you haven't conquered with this platform that you have with this that, brotherhood that you have? Exactly. That right fire. Tate, Tate calls it fire blood. Right why there. don't you have that fire blood? Look at him. Look, I wish we could point the camera. I wish we could, bro. <laughs> Listen, he said, why aren't you conquering? And like, ever since he said that, I'm like, why haven't I been conquering? Mm. Why haven't we been conquering? Why haven't we? Why have we only had like one toe on the gas instead of the whole foot just slammed down like that? So it's like, the, the question that I really want to ask, look, realistically, as Muslim men, you know, we are encouraged as sunnah to get married as early as possible mm-hmm. as young as possible mm-hmm. life as a man doesn't get real satisfying till 35 and on that's when you really hit you've got you've got your network you've got your expertise you're established but you still got that energy to drive man I, I work three times harder than i did in my 20s i'm so much more fired up about it. every day i wake up more hungry before we get back into the podcast we've got a very special announcement as you can see we are here in masjid al-nabawi for all the muslim brothers out there that are trying to level up that drip game we have our first drop coming out soon we have 200 pieces that are going to be released within this drop. So if that's something you're trying to do, then click the link on the screen in the description box down below to get 10% off on the drop day, which is March 31st. And make sure to check your email box so you can see if you got the message. Check your spam folder as well to see if you got the message so that way you can be on point and be notified as soon as we release this clothing on March 31st. 5% of all proceeds are going to building a masjid in Norway. So make sure that you are checking your email so that you can confirm and be notified when we drop on March 31st. The collection is going to be called Victory in Patience in honor of Andrew and Tristan Tate for what they're going through right now. So let's make dua so that Allah releases them as soon as possible and brings them out in the best state that he can possibly bring them out in. And with that being said, let's get right back into the podcast. I can jump in, bro. What we what we were talking about is unlocking that that hunger. Everyone knows they should do more. How do you actually unlock that into energy? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like I was saying, I was giving the example of when we were in the car with the brother Wahab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he said, like, why aren't you conquering? And I, mm-hmm. I said, like, we we got like one toe on the the gas, like SpongeBob, bro. Instead mm-hmm. of putting our full foot and mm-hmm. just slamming it, like mm-hmm. yamming it, just going straight forward. Instead, we're over here like, oh, no, like we'll do a little bit here, a little bit there. 
And so now my question, right? Every man in Islam, it's a sunnah to marry as young as possible. Mm -hmm. So now if, if as a man, we get married and we live in a household with this woman, you have given the example of what you can do having like that separate room where it's like, it's yours. Mm. Like you go in there, you're working, you don't come out. Mascul masculine frame room. Yeah. yeah. But then you also give the idealistic example of like living with your brothers. Mm -hmm. How could one tie these two together? I think what you're doing right now, lads trips, you know, we're, we're going to go to this yes. country, whether it's we're going to mountain bike across this range or we're going to go to this fight camp in Thailand for a week or we're going to go to, you know, Dubai and do a series of podcasts. Mm. Go on those lads trips. I mean, it, does that not replicate the olden days? The yeah. men would head out from the tribe, they'd go to battle, then they'd come back and relax. And again, if, it, if, if and again, I don't want to be too presumptuous, but if money is an issue, it's not an issue. If you guys need funding for travel, and we, we can cut this out, whatever, tell me. That's that's what you guys are doing is real. Consider yourselves having corporate backing. <laughs> like it's if that's an oh, obstacle, then tell me, and we'll just talk about it. Like it's if you're giving your best to it, I would love to fund what you guys are doing. It's real. It's really meaningful. But also tying into what we were saying uh, before the camera cut. In your 20s, you think you're working. Yeah. Life gets satisfying as a man from like 35 onwards if you've done all the right things to get there. I work now so much harder and so much more efficiently and have so much more impact than in my 20s. I'm, I'm 10 times more effective as a man than I was. I've got my global network. I've got that made man status where I have influence. I've got supportive family members, supportive brothers around me. The reason why you might feel you're not your most impactful self now is you're still early in the game, brother. When you get to your 30s, and, and a lot of men in their 40s will say the same, that's when you really peak you. Because you've got all that experience, but you've still got that energy. And you've got your global network, you've got your brothers, you've cut out the toxic influences in your life, you've got good women around you taking care of you. That's when you will really make your mark on this universe. So you're still building yourself up to that. You'll get more, if you're living your life right, you'll get more motivated to work as you approach mid-30s, not less. The idea of... Oh, I remember back in the day, I used to think, even in army days, when I joined when I was very young, straight out of school, I'd see some of these guys, you know, running up hills, being really life be in it. And I thought, you know, I wish I was that guy. I realized now they were all 30s and above. Like, wow. as a young man, you're still trying to find that motivation. When you get to the point where you can turn one hour into X amount of dollars or one hour into X amount of changing a man's life for the better, that's yeah. your motivation. But it takes time to build that value so you can be that guy. So your hunger, your fire will grow as you get older. It's If you're doing the right thing and you've got the right people around you, the motivation will come with time because you become more impactful as a man. Each minute of your time can leave more positive impact on, on your society, on your brothers, on your, on your bank balance. <laughs> so you get more and more motivated about it. Isn't that crazy? Because like yesterday we went to the big grand mosque in Abu Dhabi. And me and Rami were just having an epiphany after Salah. And we were just like, bro, what have we really done? Like when it's all said and done, what have we really done in this life? But your perspective, it's very calming and refreshing because it's not necessarily we're doing the wrong thing. It's just we haven't given it enough time yet. You're and building the foundation building to become foundation. the most impactful version and of you yourself. Said the, correct. Yeah. And you said that off camera, like life gets fun after 35. Oh, it gets fulfilling. Exactly. When you're a made man, when you put that work in and when you got your money right, for the longest of times, I was very insecure about money. Because I grew up yes. in situations where I was at times physically hungry, where I was that poor kid getting picked on because I had the crappy clothes. Now I have the custom clothes, the custom house, the custom cars. Alhamdulillah, I have a custom lifestyle. Life gets real fulfilling when you put in that effort. But man, it's years, it's decades of work yeah. to become that man. It's fun, man.
So one, one, thing's clear, though, one thing's clear if you guys made it this far. You got to leave the Matrix real quick. You got to unplug yourself. Yes. <laughs> and become that custom lifestyle designer, as mm. Shooter said. Man, I just want to say, bro, like, I love you so much, Appreciate you, like, my big brother, man. Appreciate you, brother. Appreciate like, you. I, I thought he told you, like, before this, like, I didn't have that masculine. I don't think any of us did, bro. I, I think the vast majority of men didn't have a man who was really about it. And that's where the Tates were very fortunate. They had an extremely masculine man, an extremely principled man who put those those values into them. But that that's the value of brotherhood. We can we can be masculine role models for each other in a society, in a world where masculine role models are pretty much in, you know a dying breed. We can bring that up in in each other. I think it's quite meaningful. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I'd, I'd like to end by saying don't follow me on social media. Uh, no, I'm serious. I don't have access to my Twitter because after the you know the whole kerfuffle with that and I had to put my Instagram on private because there's so many people making disgusting comments towards me and and family and all this sort of stuff. So do not follow me on social media. <laughs> you know, like most people want to give a shout out. I say don't bother. Um, win, win in the real world instead. Honestly, being off Twitter gave me an extra two hours in a day. Like it's, that, that stuff's all toxic, man. It really is. When in the real world. I think there's a lot of people who are, especially when I had Twitter, um, writing saying, hey, I'm concerned about Tate. What can I do? Tate wants you to continue building the best version of yourself. So all those people who want to write him letters or want to do something, he's all right. He's fine. People should take that energy and focus on bettering themselves. That's, Tate, that's Tate's whole message. Use every moment of every day to become the best version of yourself. So all these people are worried about Tate. That's distraction. Focus on becoming the best version of yourself. That's what Tate would say to anybody, should should they ask. And that's what we want for us, mm. right? That's, that's exactly. And what, and what I'd also us. say to everyone out there who's who's considering, uh, or, or who's driven to become the best version of themselves and to have the most fulfilling life, you need to look at Islam. Not not necessarily from a religious perspective or from an emotional perspective, but from a purely logical perspective. If your goal is to live the best life you can and be the most impactful and, and positively contributing to family, to society, man that you can be, you have to look at Islam. Otherwise, you are, you are, you're missing out. You're missing out on a powerful uh, life accelerator, if you will, a powerful system with which to get the most out of this life and to give back the most. Beautiful. So many people think they have life figured out and they're like, why do I need Islam? I'm mm -hmm. happy. But I feel like they just haven't gotten too deep into that black hole of hedonism yet yeah and a lot of people they i don't know about i can't speak on behalf of everyone but myself definitely brother on hell maybe even the rami definitely wahab too that it wasn't until we were at our lowest points in our life that mm. allah gave us hidayah allah guided us isn't that interesting and i like how the wisdom's coming out at the one in the morning <laughs> for, for, for me islam came at the highest point in my life every wow. every no every day in the masjid the vast majority of what i say when i speak to um allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is gratitude I, I ask for nothing more for myself i have everything i could ever want that's when i found islam because when you have everything when, and again i'm not trying to flex or anything but when you've got the money right the status who cares you know when you've got that custom-made lifestyle you're going to ask what's next and a direct line to to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most powerful and, and fulfilling thing you can have money won't give you that status won't give you that cars toys Women experiences oh, no. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> that's quite the opposite a lot of the time <laughs> so for me I, I, it isn't interesting you say a lot of people find islam at the darkest time of their life i found it at the best time of my life and it still adds incredible value alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. thank you brother
I mean, it's important that we have people of all, you know, backgrounds, all realms, all sta- statuses in life mm. come accept Islam. Mm. I actually think it's it's. I think it's very interesting that someone like you and someone like Andrew Tate would accept Islam, given that they have everything, you know, in this world. Yeah. Subhanallah. It shows it shows a lot of humility. Actually, people, I don't know why they like to attribute Andrew Tate accepting Islam to something negative. I think it's something very positive. Because mm-hmm. how much does he have to restrict himself in life from the things he was doing before so for the sake of Allah? So much. You know? But to be honest, all of those things you're restricting yourself from, it's all positive anyway. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I never have to drink. Great. I yeah. hate hangovers. I hate alcohol. Yeah. Oh, you know, th- there's no you know, premarital superficial sex. Great. That's a massive waste of time anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the negative really? Yeah. It's all it's all overwhelmingly positive. It really is. And and that's why that's why I, I'm genuinely grateful to I mean what well, I'm forty years old now. To find Islam now when I have the the time to really devote to it is great. If if I found it ten years ago, maybe I wouldn't have had time because it just would have been I need that money. I'm worried about not being able to provide for my family. Now I'm in a position where I can say, you know what? Work is great and all, but there's more meaningful stuff to do. So I think it comes to you when, when the time is right. I really believe that. Absolutely. Alhamdulillah. Absolutely. Alhamdulillah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best of planners, right? We leave it up That's to him. It. I like that. Yeah. Any final comments, brothers? What's would love to would love to do this again with you. I feel like this is one of our longest podcasts. I think in person, this was definitely our longest podcast. But it doesn't far. feel long enough, to be honest. But, but it doesn't feel long enough at all. It feels like we could just keep going. Yeah. But unfortunately, our equipment cannot handle this, yeah. <laughs> handle this heat. So we're gonna have to wrap it up. Prior preparation up. prevents piss poor performance. That's yeah. correct. Correct. <laughs> correct. Well, help us tell them that's not, that's not wrong. 100%. If you guys need bigger SD cards, let's, let's do it. <laughs> let's order it right now. This is Dubai. We can order it twenty four seven. That's it. That's Life it. Keys, yep. So my, my question to you guys is what's the next Global Conquest tour? Who are you traveling to speak with? I, I've got, thankfully, I've got some relationships. Who are the, the people you want on your podcast you haven't got? What's what's next? What's the steps for Global Conquest? Because just having intent isn't enough. What are the direct actionable steps that can be taken? I think first and foremost, there's a lot of self-investment that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Us in improving our interviewing skills, our po- we were just talking about this, our podcasting skills, our knowledge on Islam, our knowledge on the world, mm-hmm. you know, being able to articulate our thoughts correctly. Awesome. We need to correct ourselves in these things and fix ourselves and grow in these, uh, these realms. And on that, Tate's ability to speak is a muscle he built over many years. Yeah. It, is, mm. it is the ability to, to be eloquent, to put forward your ideas in a concise, impactful way. It's a skill that takes many years of work. So I'm, I'm glad that you've conceptualized that. that that's yeah. something you'll focus on. Alhamdulillah. And may Allah, you know, make us uh, masters of this craft and masters, you know, master orators, as Muhammad Hijab says a lot. Mm-hmm. Allahumma sure. ameen. And then after that, I think we have to talk about it. We spoke about Habib, inshallah, one day. Habib, um, we want to talk to Aiden Ross. Aiden, yeah, I, 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 I've been trying. I, I think we really need to get in contact with with Myron, with Aiden Myron, Ross, with Sneeko, with, Sneeko, with uh, Speed, with Gideon. We really need to get in Can you guys stay a few days longer? Because a number of those guys will be in Dubai. I know they're coming literally the Friday. They were leaving. You can't move. If it wasn't, fl- you can't if, it move wasn't if it wasn't a religious pilgrimage, uh, we wouldn't mind, bro. It's yeah. a pretty good reason. We wouldn't mind. <laughs> it's the only good reason I'll give you. Because yeah. anything else, Habibi, we're staying yeah. in Dubai. And, and also, this, also Qatarullah, right? Like Allah Subhanahu wa Taala allowed us to plan it at this time. This is what He yeah. willed. Maybe there's a better time for them to be contacted by exactly. us. Exactly. We're always gonna come back now that we have, you know good contact here like inshallah, inshallah, everyone inshallah. you listed on that list I, I could I could get in touch with inshallah that's easy man. Yeah. <laughs> of course that yeah. one's easy because also when I brief them on what you guys are about what you're doing the fact that again the door before we started that's pure if we want to talk about someone's intent driving their actions that's pure you guys said a prayer may you may you speak clearly may your words be positively impactful on the world I tell Andrew something like that Bang, full support. 
Easy, easy, easy. Because in a world of clout chasers, in a world of people trying to take his value, he really respects men who are loyal and, and devout to their faith, to their path, to their, their mission. So yeah, that's an easy sell. That that's that's a two second decision for Andrew. That'll happen. And that that'll when it comes out, man, he's gonna have some impact. <laughs> and of course a lot of that is is gonna be in the Islamic context, because again, the one book he has inside. I mean, if we want to talk about Qadr Qadr al Allah, yeah. I mean, could this be a way of, of Andrew becoming more devout? I, I believe it is. I really do. I want to add to that because at one point I saw this video where Andrew said that he doesn't really read. He doesn't mm. read much. Like mm -hmm. a book, he says it's a very slow way to uh, get knowledge and he'd rather have like that real experience and talking with people who have had those experiences so he can learn from them as well. And it's like in Islam, we're actually, we are told to read by Allah. Mm -hmm. Allah tells us to read mm -hmm. and to learn for ourselves, to seek the answers for ourselves. And I don't, I'm not saying that he wasn't reading the Quran or anything like that, but it's like, Allah's the best of planners. Mm. And you know, like, here he is now. He has Forced. nothing else to do Forced. but it's pretty amazing. Quran. And to give you an idea into Andrew's mind, like, Andrew will be working on a computer while, um, like, you know, typing away, while playing chess, while listening to voice notes from people and responding to them, while having a conversation with someone. His, his brain is like, all the time. For him to slow down and read one book, that that had been almost dropping down that frequency that he's at. But again, to your point, that's all he can do now. He had the most active phone addiction I've ever seen because that's how he gets his message out. That's how he makes his money. He now doesn't have a phone. So he, that ferocious focus, I would bet significant amounts of money. Is betting halal? Maybe I should reframe that. I'm highly confident that he is taking that and let's be honest, he's an obsessive person when it comes to learning, to conquest. That's, and most of the highly successful people I know, they are obsessive. They are naturally, they have almost addictive personalities, but they've focused that obsession on self-improvement, on conquest, on learning. He is that guy, you know, to the nth degree. I am highly confident, if not sure, that he is now obsessing over the Quran because there's nothing else in there. And then we want to talk about Allah being the best of planners. That's probably the only way you could get him to really focus on the Quran is to take away his phone and his ability to, to conquer the world. You know, so it's, it's pretty amazing stuff. You know, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, when Allah loves a person and wills for them to be better, you know, and, and, and to have a higher status in this life and the next, he tests them. Yeah. And Allah ﷻ, he says in the Quran, uh, Why is there a indeed after cop in the parking lot? Uh, that's a taxi. Oh, oh thank God. The police are our friends in this part of the world. You don't, you don't <laughs> have to worry. Ignore that guy. Continue, worry. bro. No, that's yeah. okay. But a lot. <laughs> the police are amazing here, brother. Honestly, yeah, like it's, it's like every interaction I've had with law enforcement in this country has been nothing but wow. What what a what a man taking care of his society and taking pride in his work. It, it's it's beautiful. That's really what it should beautiful. be. That's what yeah, law exactly. enforcement should be. A hundred percent. Alhamdulillah. But uh, yeah, back to the uh, back to the point. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. He says, indeed, after hardship is ease. And some scholars say that the only way that Allah puts you from a place of difficulty or a, a, a lower status to a higher status or just from one place to an easier place, the only way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala moves you is with the difficulty. Mm. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will only put you to a better place by putting you through something difficult. There it so is. you can come up more sharpened. Yeah, isn't that the truth? And that's why I'm not worried about the Tates at all. Yeah. I am 0% worried about them. One, because I know who they are, who they aren't. I know... Like they know what they have and haven't done, so they're not worried. So what you're gonna you are you gonna put them in a cell? These these are guys. Ciao, take care. These guys have been through so much tension and stress, and 
that you want to talk about fire blood. They had such a hunger to take themselves from council council estate. Like they were actually in homeless shelters. They were physically hungry. They built an empire through fighting, through hand-to-hand combat. Like these guys have been through so much. If they if they were pro the narrative, that the world would love them. Mixed race kids who built themselves from you know, <laughs> council housing, who now retired their mother, who now take care of numerous families, who now are putting a positive message out into the world. If they weren't speaking against the narrative, these guys would be modern day heroes. And that platform that they built, um, Hustlers University, that is en- enabling many hundreds of thousands, as I understand, of people around the world to generate a second income. And when you're walking around with them in the street, you get people coming up, hey man, Hustlers University changed my life. Hey, I bought this car. Or hey, uh, you know, my mom doesn't have to work. The media won't show that. But again, if these guys were like leftist soy boys, then the world would love them because what they're doing is incredible. It's incredibly mm. motivating. This Hustlers University thing, from talking to some of the guys involved, there'll be like tens of thousands of guys hustling. Or, All right, break, push-ups, back onto it. You know, hey, we, we, you know, where have you been playing video games? You know, they're 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 holding the, the masculine accountability. They're holding hundreds of thousands of of you know young people to that. It's amazing to see. So again, everything they're doing is so positive. Don't worry about them and their message and, and, and Allah's intent, subhanahu wa ta'ala, for them. The Tates are fine. This is their path. This is their redemption arc. Watch in a year's time, in two years' time, how positive this whole thing will have been for making them even more impactful as men, more focused on what matters and, and not focused on what doesn't, and also giving them even more influence with which to put their positive message out to the world. Everything is hap- happening as it should. You know? So i got one last question for you Please before we wrap up. Do you think he knows that you're Muslim? Yes. How? Because I told him that I pray in, in the masjid every day for, for him. <laughs> that was the oh, one yeah, thing that I said. That's, that's the one thing I said on. on. But al- but also like we were talking about it for a long time. I know he got a little bit viral for for using the word haram. I'd like to take a little bit of credit in perhaps encouraging that because I've been I've been probably excessively using that word for some time now. <laughs> and so I'd like to think that that right might have rubbed off on him. Yeah. But uh, he and I both knew that it was it was the way forward for a long time. And to your point, I think you, you, you perhaps become Muslim in your beliefs before you really take that step formally. Right. And we, 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 we felt drawn to the mosque. We felt drawn to the brotherhood. We felt, you know, interested and curious about the Quran, about the life of the Prophet, well before we took Shahada. And so yeah, he's not surprised. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, it's uh, you basically you accept it in your heart first mm. before you speak it into yeah. existence. Makes sense. There's the heart again. I love yeah, it, brother. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Got this big masculine beard, but talking about the heart. It's beautiful, man. It's, I love it. It's beautiful. And also the one conversation I had with Tate about because when, when I didn't know he was planning to to revert, wow. um, and you know the internet sort of blew up. I know Tate. I know if he does it, he's serious. So I, there was no any question: is it real? Is it not? I said, Andrew, why, why did you make that decision? Yeah. And his answer was, because there is zero downside and only, only plus, only positives. And that was, and that was the, that was, I was like, yeah, cool. That was the extent of our conversation about his conversion, <laughs> your reversion. Zero downside, only positives. And it's true. Any, anyone who's been through that process can attest to that. So. Absolutely. We've had, we've had many reverse come on the show and basically say the same exact thing, you know? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when, when they were blessed with Islam, their life completely changed for the better. Mm. Every every single reverb would tell you the same thing. Amazing. Just by not being able to drink and being able to say to Tristan, sorry, mate, can't do it. That's going to add 10 years to my life. I swear. Because wow. <laughs> he's the king. Again, we're very competitive guys. He was the king of making everybody drink. And he doesn't feel alcohol. 
It's 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 inhuman the way he can drink. So simply by not drinking, I'm going to live five to ten years longer spending time around Tristan. So again, it's all positive. It's all positive. All right. Excellent. What about the big fella? Anything more from you, brother? Let's do it. Let's end it properly. Come in, come in, coach. It's okay. Perfect timing. Okay. Bismillah. So welcome back. I'm here again. Alhamdulillah. Um, so I just want to say I think that's covering your face though if you should put it I just want to say Alhamdulillah as you guys see this is an amazing podcast an amazing episode with some amazing brothers and Alhamdulillah we're going to end it the way it should be ended with the recitation of the glorious Quran and I just want to let you guys know if you guys have never had the opportunity to open up the Quran please take out the opportunity to open the Quran the Quran is the most recited book in the world today and it is the most recited book in the world for a reason. Please, just open up your heart and open up your mind and take out the opportunity to just read the book. This is a book that came to open up your mind and open up your heart and to share the truth with you about your creator and about yourself. So inshallah, we're going to go ahead and end it with some Quran recitation, inshallah. A'udhu billahi rajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Qul huwallahu ahad Allahu samad Lam yalid wa lam yulad wa lam yakun lahu kufuwan ahad I'm so grateful for Islam I'm so grateful to Allah and I'm so grateful for my brothers, man. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, bro. That's how we leave it. That's how we end it. Inshallah. W stream, guys. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe. Rami. With that being said, Allahumma atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa kina adab in nar. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala free our brother, Andrew Tate, and his brother, Tristan Tate, from jail. Bless brother Tristan with Islam and make us leaders for the righteous. Allahumma amin. And with that being said, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Before we get back into the podcast, we've got a very special announcement. As you can see, we are here in Masjid Al-Nabawi. For all the Muslim brothers out there that are trying to level up that drip game, we have our first drop coming out soon. We have 200 pieces that are going to be released within this drop. So if that's something you're trying to do, then click the link on the screen in the description box down below to get 10% off on the drop day, which is March 31st. And make sure to check your email box so you can see if you got the message. Check your spam folder as well to see if you got the message so that way you can be on point and be notified as soon as we release this clothing on March 31st. 5% of all proceeds are going to building a masjid in Norway. So make sure that you are checking your email so that you can confirm and be notified when we drop on March 31st. The collection is going to be called Victory in Patience in honor of Andrew and Tristan Tate for what they're going through right now. So let's make dua so that Allah releases them as soon as possible and brings them out in the best state that he can possibly bring them out in. And with that being said, let's get right back into the podcast.